Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's like Desmond is being like, we are in a Romeo and Juliet situation, and Charles Woodmore like, is like, you sure are, get away from my daughter. And Desmond's like, oh no, we cannot be together. And Penny's like, okay, here's the thing though, Romeo and Juliet were 12. Exactly. <laughs> and we're adults, so like, is this necessary? Yeah. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, pretty much everywhere. And for our fun fact for this episode, um, where you would sail. Do you have well, to sail? Do you have to sail by yourself? You don't have to sail by yourself, but you have to be able to sail there. Like, it has to be on a coast, basically, or, like... Right. Is like, it like, is this, like, a cruise situation, though? No, you can... Whatever mode of transport that involves floating on water, you can Well, use. okay. What? Then it's not sailing. Okay, well, we're stretching the rules a little. Yeah, okay. I guess I would either go to Oahu, because that seems right, mm-hmm. or I would go, like, all the way and, like, try and go to heck in England or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. Might as well. Might as well, if you're gonna be out there. Why not? Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30-year-old journalist from beautiful Popopopic <laughs> Vancouver, BC. I'm not fixing that. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannium, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And if I was gonna sail anywhere, I would go to Maui, because it's the superior island. Maybe we can, maybe we can, maybe we can, uh, carpool. Okay, sounds good. Okay. I mean, like, as long as you know that, like, Maui's the better island. I do know that. It's just yeah. that Oahu is where Lost was filmed, so. That's fair. Yeah. In my controversial opinion, Oahu, Oahu is just, like, too much of a city island, mm. whereas Maui is more actual Hawaii, and then Kauai is, like, actual, actual Hawaii. You know what I mean? Sure. Or um, I would sail two more places. One, anywhere that just isn't North America, because see the world. But two, mm, I would sail to Florida. Yeah. And then take a car to go to to Disney Disney World. World. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And this episode, our guest is Sam! Yay! Yay! Cheering for myself. If you listen to our other podcasts, this is not anything special at all, because... (laughs) She's wow. currently wow, she's, that's hurtful. She's currently a permanent host on the Riverdale and Stranger Things podcast. And Picard. And Picard. So who are you? Picard. I don't know you. Hi, people who don't listen to any of those other podcasts. This is my regular spiel. My name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator from sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about telling television and fangirling middle-aged actresses if i were to sail anywhere i would sail to greece and live my mama mia fantasy i love that that's actually a really good answer thanks and uh how did you get this gig the one on this podcast yeah how did you get to be a guest i live here how do you know us I'm engaged to Brittany. <laughs> Literally. And Robin is my friend. Wow. It's nice to have you here. Thanks. Where we don't have to wear headphones. I love that for you guys. So a little bit different from what we usually do when we all record together, but what are some of your favorite characters from Lost? We had Sam uh, closer to the end of season one. I believe it was 120... I believe in you. Two? 121? Mm-hmm. 120 is do no harm. 121... That you. 121, that was you. I'm pretty sure I was in Hawaii when we recorded that one. So it was a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. So it was a while ago. Yeah. 
Uh, but if people don't remember, like if you all don't the things remember, you said, then you got you got remind us. Yeah, that was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. It took us a long time. My my favorite characters from Lost. I love Juliet. I love Tink. Kate and Son and Desmond and Penny and Saeed. Those are those are all my faves. I love that. Like my my top tier faves. Nothing but taste. Thanks. And what does Lost mean to you? Lost is like a show that I binge watched really quickly during a hiatus of the hundred. Mm-hmm. And it's a show that I, I enjoy, but I, I would say in a casual a casual way. I can't relate to this. I understand. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's mostly what it means to me. You should rewatch it. I, I rewatched an episode today. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ready? I have rewatched it once since then. Hmm. Yeah. Today we have words to say about episode 223 of Lost, Live Together, Die Alone, Part 1. So yeah, this is the first part of the season finale, and we will be recording about the next part, um, and that'll come out as a separate episode, yeah. obviously. So basically, Live Together, Die Alone is already a theme of the show. It was a speech that Jack made in 105, which made it kind of like a big deal and a common phrase that's said on the show. It sure mm-hmm. is. But the reference that Jack was making in his speech was from the Internationale. It's a line from the English language Billy Bragg version of this famous socialist, anarchist, communist, and social democratic anthem. And the line is, we'll live together or we'll die alone. You had me until you go to communist, and then I was like, I'm out. But until then, I was in. (laughs) The broadcast date was May 24th, 2006. It was written by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, and it was directed by Jack Bender. Oh my god, I was still in high school. Those are all my favorite people. Those are all your favorite people. Those are great people. I have a few fun facts before we just like start the episode. I have just like general um, facts that I got from Lostpedia. This episode marks the first appearance of Penelope and Charles Widmore. Which is crazy. Which is crazy because they end up obviously being kind of a big deal throughout the whole series. That's that's why I'm here for this one specifically. Mm -hmm. For Penny. This episode was the first flashback episode of someone not on Flight 815 and the second centered around a guest star. So the first one was Rose and Bernard's story in SOS. That was the mm-hmm. first one that was centered around a guest star. I love Rose and Bernard. But they were on flight 815, so this is the first flashback sur- surrounded around a guest star and also somebody who wasn't on 815. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Desmond refers to the others as the hostiles during this episode, and Kelvin also uses the term in a flashback. This is the first time the name is used on the show. Oh, that's they're, crazy. Yeah, um, they're referred to as the hostiles quite a few times later, but this is the first time. Nice. Uh, so now Brittany's going to recap the episode, and she's going to try and do it in a hundred, in a, un- ah! no, doing? it was an unrelated hot thought. It should have always been 108 seconds. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's true. So Brittany's going to try and recap the episode in under a minute, but like, you know, it, it never happens under a minute. And uh, so I just, I, I speed her up. So it sounds funny. And uh, it's just, it's for funsies. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm starting with flashbacks, but then we're going to go to the island. Desmond gets out of military prison. He has nothing to his name but the novel Our Mutual Friend and a photo of he and Penny. Charles Widmore rolls up and is like, I will pay you to stay away from my daughter, you coward. And Des is like, nah? Instead, he goes to the States with no money for some reason? He meets Libby, who spills her tragic backstory and gives him a boat so he can sail the world for love. Des goes running and has a nice chat with Jack. Penny shows up and wants to know why he didn't write her, even though he totally did. She's also engaged to someone else now. He's going to do the race, get his honor back, and win her back too. Sure, that'll probably go well. Spoiler alert, it doesn't, and he ends up marooned on the island after a bad storm. Kelvin finds him and asks him if he is him. Mm, no. <laughs> he drafts him to help out at the Swan Station anyway, shows him the video, and injects him with a useless vaccine. Welcome to your life, Des! On the island, Jack, Sawyer, and Saeed swim out to Des's boat. They find him drunk in the cabin. Are they still pushing the button? Yeah, they are. Saeed tells Jack Michael is definitely off his rocker. 
He wants to use Des's bone as a distraction for the others. Okay. Kate says the others aren't who they appear to be. Michael says they are. Hashtag I'm with her. Des tells Claire injecting Aaron with the vaccine is super useless. Saeed gets the boat from Desmond and a pilot for it with Jin, who is only going because Sun is going too. The next day, they see a four-toed foot while sailing. I'm sure that's nothing. In the jungle, Sawyer and Kate have angst about Jack. Curly thinks he hears a giant bird say his name. Michael tries to shoot it, but his gun doesn't have ammo. Just normal island stuff. Michael is suspicious. Jack says live together, die alone, to so take a shot. The next morning, they run into two others that have been tailing them and have a huge fight. They were being trapped. Jack confronts Michael, and Michael spills the beans on everything. Walt, Libby, Anna Lucia, them meeting the four of them, all of it. They can't turn back down because if they do, the others will kill them. Great! Uh, meanwhile, Locke and Echo spend the whole episode arguing over whether to push a button. Locke wants to, Echo doesn't. That's really the whole plot. Charlie tells Locke that Des is back, so Locke goes to have a chat with him. They talk about the Pearl video and how the button is an experiment. They decide not to push it. Then they do a false lockdown in the hatch to lock Echo out. That's a lot of the use of the word lock. It's their button now, and also Echo just Charlie for help, but I don't know how much help he's actually going to be. That's it. That's the first part of the finale. Great. Do we want to talk about how you think the person who drives a boat is called a pilot? Yeah, I did that on purpose. <laughs> mm, are you sure? Yeah, I thought it was going to be cute. Well, what's the real word? <laughs> what? What's the real word? <laughs> what? What's the word for somebody who uh, who's in charge of a boat? Skipper. It's a captain. captain. No, it's a skipper. It's a captain. <laughs> well, that sure was something. To be fair, I knew it when I was typing it, but I sure forgot when you asked me. Mm. And then I was like, "It's not a sailor." I um, mean, it is a sailor, but it's not. I just love you so much. <laughs> the problem with me being on podcasts is that people discover how stupid I am. Hmm. All right, so now we're going to get into our notes, and we're going to start with the storyline about um, the rescue mission that's including the stuff that happens in the jungle as well as the stuff that happens out on the ocean with Saeed. Cool. Why are we starting there? Because um, it's a smaller plot line than all the stuff that happens with Desmond. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't, actually don't know if it's smaller, but I it'd be easier to just like group Desmond's storylines together, I feel like. I agree. And it's like, in terms of the overall island plot, it's, I guess, slightly less relevant. Yeah, like, it's more important next episode, I feel yeah, like. Yeah. yeah. So, skipping over the stuff that happens with the boat and finding Desmond and everything, because uh, that's going to be in the Desmond storyline, I'm going to do my summary for the first scene in this storyline. Saeed approaches Jack about what they spoke about last episode, the fact that Michael's a traitor. Saeed's plan is to get to the others ahead of time, do some scoping out, and then make a signal fire so their two parties can meet up and go in together. He emphasizes that it needs to be a secret. Obviously. So, when you, you tell idiot. someone that something <laughs> needs to be a secret on this island... I mean, to be fair, Jack does keep it a secret as long as he possibly can. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So that's a shout out. So yeah, Saeed says he'll take the boat to the camp ahead of time because Saeed knows for sure that Michael has been compromised and he is a smart, smart guy. Mm. Yeah, and I like how he talks about the black smoke because it used to mean that the others are coming and now they're trying to make it the other way around. You know, like he figured out how... He figured out how to use their own signals against them. Yeah, well, it's cool to be like, I found the exact like leaf or whatever that makes it so that the black smoke happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, first of all, like, the black smoke in general is obviously, like, a big deal. But, like, the signal fire type things that happen at the end of season one, first of all, parallel to the ends of seasons. But, like, when it happens there, it's kind of, like, scary and, like, out of reach, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so mm -hmm. it really changes things when Saeed says this is what it is. Then it's, like, more accessible and it makes it a little less scary, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. He's like, okay... I'm going to take this scary thing and we're going to use it for our own advantage now. Yeah. And that makes Saeed the smartest person on this island. And the fact that no one listens to him is upsetting to me. Mm. I agree. Yeah. Like some people listen to him, but not enough. Mm. Like 
every time I think about Lost, I think about the version of Lost that we lost, mm. where Saeed was the lead. Right. Um, so that's pretty much what happens in that scene, and then we're moving on. Jack hands out the guns. Hurley doesn't want one. Kate is worried that the others are trying to trick them. Hmm, weird that she would think that. Michael <laughs> tries to spin the conversation back to normal. They head out. So Jack gives guns to everyone. Hurley doesn't want one due to, you know, death just occurring. Yeah, mm, by yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and then Sawyer's like, well, isn't the point, like, you know, to, like, kill people? And Hurley's like, I thought the point was to save Walt. Yeah. Okay, so talk to me about why Kate thinks that this is not what it appears to be. No way. If I take them, I'm gonna kill someone. Ain't that the point? But the point was to get Walt back. What's the matter? All that stuff we found in the medical station. Costumes, makeup, fake beards. What if these people just want us to think they're hillbillies? Listen. Listen, I was there. I saw them. They are hillbillies. They live in huts, they eat fish, they're probably more scared than we are. And they have no idea we're on our way. All right, enough jibber-jabber. Let's roll. So basically, she's like, what if they're pretending to be like hillbillies because we found the the beard and everything? Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, what if this is all like a ruse. a ruse? Where did that come from in her brain? She found the beard. Yeah. The fake okay. beard in 215. Okay. Oh, that's right. Okay, that was a while ago. That's why I didn't Yeah, know. yeah. Okay. Um, She's right and she should say it. But I like the the line when Hurley says, I thought that the point was to save Walt. It reminds me of last episode when Michael said Saeed couldn't come because Saeed was looking for revenge and Michael was trying to save Walt. Yeah. So it kind of reminded me of that. But Michael says, no, 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 they're real. Like, I was there. It's definitely real. But, like, does he really believe that? No. I think, well, mm, because Walt just said they're not who they say they are. And even though we're here and we can listen to it, like in the heat of the moment, maybe he didn't even hear what Walt said. You know what I mean? Or maybe it was so fleeting. Like we get to rewatch it, but it was so fleeting for him that maybe it didn't even register. You know what I mean? Plus like he spent so long, like actually trapped by them. And all he saw was like, they look like hillbillies. They act like hillbillies. But Walt did tell him that they were giving, doing tests to him. Mm -hmm. So I think he probably believes that yeah but mm -hmm. i don't know mm. but he didn't know about the fake beard so i feel like even though the stakes are high and he needs them to come anyway the fact that kate says well what about the fake beard or whatever should then like if i was michael i'd be like oh my god yeah uh you know maybe it isn't real but I don't think that would process in Michael's mind considering the amount of stuff that's going on. I still think he's like too stressed yeah. because his kid is missing and he doesn't really care whether they're real or not. He just wants his kid back. Right. I guess what I'm saying is like if I was him, I'd be like, oh my God, maybe it isn't real. But either way, I need, still need these people to come. So I yeah. have to t say that it's real anyway. I yeah. think that's probably exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, okay. So from Lostpedia, uh, the A-team, Sawyer quotes B.A. Barakas from this television series when he says, all right, enough jibber jabber. Let's roll. The A-team ran for from eight, uh, 1983 to 1989. Hey, you were born in 1989. Yeah, I'm old. Said asks Desmond if he can borrow his boat. Desmond says yes, but he's not going to help him. He needs to find someone else who knows how to sail. So first of all, this is Desmond's boat. It's called the Elizabeth. Even though Desmond is in this scene, I put it in this storyline because it's it more important for Said's mm -hmm. thing. Is it called the Elizabeth because he didn't change the name? Yeah, he didn't change the name. Okay. Yeah, The Libby. Oh, I have thoughts on that later. Okay. But Desmond tells Saeed not to even try because he can't even, like, get very far, right? Right. Um, but Saeed's not trying to get away. He's trying to get to the, the other, other side, side of the island. Yeah, I was okay. like, Des, that's not helpful. I, I, like, I don't know if Desmond, like, knew that or not. Either Probably way, Desmond not. is deeply drunk. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. 
He's not thinking uh, what you would call clearly. Yeah. And so then he mentions the hostels, which it's our first time hearing that phrasing in the series. Desmond says that he knows where the hostels live, but something about when we were talking about the door, which was the um, Dharma hatch over in the little town. Oh, yeah, yeah. It said on the Lostpedia page that the reason why it's not on the last door map is because it would have been too far away for anyone in the swan to get to. Mm. because yeah, they have to always map. yeah they always have to be coming back right yeah. so they can't so the fact that desmond knows where the hostels live is kind of interesting Ooh, yeah either way desmond says he's not going to do it so he needs to find somebody else because desmond's like i've been on a boat for too long and also i don't even know you and i don't want to help you i don't blame him yeah he's been through some stuff mm-hmm. he's going through it yeah saeed asks Jin to help him out and go sailing with him he doesn't want to leave sun sun says that she's going to i respect her pretty simple scene but we love it. Yeah. So Jin says in Korean, what is he saying now? Because <laughs> he doesn't know. Yeah. He says that he wants his help because he wants to help Michael. Um, because Jin and Michael were good friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say that would like be the number one thing that you could say to Jin to get him to go. Yeah, he's not saying we think Michael's a traitor and we're going to go and like get no. Michael in trouble. He says that we're trying to help Michael. Yeah. Um, Jin lived in a fishing village and he doesn't want to go because he's supposed to feel embarrassed for knowing how, you know what I mean? Like it's something in Korea he was embarrassed by and ashamed of. And so Saeed coming in and asking him to use those skills, he's like inclined to say no. Mm, I agree. Either way, he still won't help. He doesn't want to leave Sun and Sun's like, it's chill because I'm going to come. Nice. And it's great. Do you think Sun wanted to go just to be part of an adventure? I think yes. And I think that she didn't want to leave Jin. And I think that she knew that what Saeed was doing was important. Yeah. Yeah. And that Jin wouldn't go without her. Yeah. yeah. I think there are multiple reasons that she And I think she go. does also say, like, you need a translator later. Yeah. So it's like, she has valid reasons, but I think, I always kind of wondered, like, do you think she just kind of wanted to go on an adventure? Right. Because she was kind of left out of a lot of them. Mm-hmm, it's true. In the jungle, Sawyer goes to pick up a doll. Kate stops him and Sawyer learns that Kate and Jack legit did just get caught in a net and not anything else. A giant bird flies down. It sounds like it says Hurley. No one believes him when he says it, though. Michael tried to shoot the bird and found that there were no bullets in his gun. Jack says, oops, my bad. <laughs> and we all totally believed him totally. for sure. Sure. So Sawyer goes to pick up the doll. Kate stops him because of the net. I remember when this happened in what episode? I don't remember. Um, it was a B plot. So, so okay. it's hard to remember which exactly which episode it happened in. But um, I remember when she picked it up, we thought like, Kate is not this stupid. Right. Oh, wait, that wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, no, it was like maybe uh, three to five episodes yeah but basically we were like kate isn't this dumb to just like pick that up and neither is sawyer so we're like obviously this is just a plot device yeah but it's also like human like curiosity oh a doll Mm -hmm. so yeah they got caught in a net and sawyer's like great so you guys didn't hook up that that bodes well for me because i didn't want that to be true literally all of like everyone on the island is like up to something and doing stuff and sawyer's just trying to figure out everyone's relationship Mm -hmm. tea yeah me on, on the island. That, yeah, Honestly. that would be you. That's why I love that moment where, like, I feel like other people who watch this show, when Kate says, what, since when are you and Jack talking about me? Other people could watch that and be like, Is the, isn't there more important things to talk about? Like, why are we doing this right now? Why are we even doing this at all? Like, this is a sci-fi show. Why are we doing this? You know what I mean? But I live humans, for that stuff. Humans are like that, though. Yeah. You could be in the middle of a battlefield, but if you hear, like, some kind of relationship thing or something going on, you are going to wonder about it. Mm-hmm. Like, like, we are complex creatures who love to gossip. 
I like my sci-fi with a side of heavy hot gossip, you yeah. know? Same. Yeah. yeah. And the, like when sci-fi doesn't have it or pretends that it's above it, you're just like, that's not how humans are. Yeah. Right. A hundred. Oop. Oop. You're the not show isn't about relationships. Life is about relationships. That's a fact. You're right. It's a trap. Annette, Rousseau's got them all over the island. How the hell would you know that? Kind of tripped one with Jack. We ended up... Never mind. <laughs> what? Well, the doc told me y'all got caught in a net. I thought he meant... Something else. And since when did you and Jack start talking about me? But yeah, so we need more, like, these moments of normal life within the scary stuff, because it's more yeah. fun that way and it feels better. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. relatable, and it gives everyone something to watch for. Um, so then we get the Hurley Bird, and we have more thoughts about that in the spoiler section, I feel like. Either way, I don't think that in canon the bird actually did say Hurley. I didn't think it sounded like it said Hurley. Yeah. To me, it did not. Mm -hmm. But I love that because I bet that just, like, sparked so much when it actually happened. And everyone was like, why did the bird say Hurley? You know, like it was like a huge thing in the fandom. It was a huge mystery, you know what I mean? But like, mm. I, maybe it's a question for the spoiler section, but like, did that ever go anywhere? Um, I think that it, it depends on what you mean by going anywhere. Because I think that there was an implied answer as to where the bird came from, but the bird was never like important. And the bird never said Hurley's name? I, I don't think so. Okay. I think that was just what it's, like, I haven't done a whole lot of research on the bird and it's possible that later... They say that the bird has like mimicking qualities or something. Like a mockingjay. Yeah, and they heard somebody say Hurley and that's why it said Hurley or whatever. Mm. Um, but I think I'm going to go on its Lostpedia page in the spoiler section and so we can okay. take a look at that then, I think. So Michael tries to like shoot the bird because he's like real trigger happy. Like nobody else tries to shoot the bird. It's a bird. Yeah. Why would you shoot a bird? Yeah. Like why would you wait? Like why would you waste your bullet? He like wait. It was like he like shot like a bajillion times too. Yeah. Um. And then Jack's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. My bad. He says he forgot to load it, but like Jack would never. No. And you can tell that Michael can tell that something is amiss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he's not stupid. Like, he, I think his paranoia also has him on, like, hyper alert. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I know that something's not right here. Yeah. Um, so this is a bit of a blooper from Lostpedia. We have this um, segment in our Stranger Things podcast called, Uh, Actually. Oh, no. In which people talk about the 80s and, like, are just, like, really obsessed with, like, very, very, very specific details. Like, mm -hmm. hey, that's car is a model one year later than it's supposed to be or like, like to an annoying degree yeah or like that video game our arcade game doesn't have the like certification sticker on it or like something dumb like that yeah this kind of reminded me of that um so this is from last video when michael attempts to shoot the bird and discovers the pistol is unloaded he pulls the trigger several times we can hear the sound of external hammer striking repeatedly despite the fact that the pistol does not have one and would not click Mm. just nitpicky crap yeah. that make that makes sense to me though because like stuff like that and like when people shoot guns and they when it's like usually like a handgun if they shoot more than like six times and it oh yeah still right. has bullets in it right and I'm like you're out of bullets mm -hmm. <laughs> um okay so heading back to Sun and Jin and Saeed. Sun and Jin join Saeed in preparing for the sale. Saeed says he only invited Jin. Sun reminds him that she needs to translate and you need two people to sail because even though Desmond was alone, he didn't get very far. And uh, Saeed's pretty chill with it after she explains. Yeah, I think it makes perfect sense. And Saeed is uh, 
even though he, I think, goes back and forwards between like man of faith and man of science, he's a like a tactician. Totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He's very um, flexible. Yes. Like even though he really only saw going with Jin, like when Sun says, "Here are several points as to why I should be allowed to come," Saeed's like, "That's okay. fair. Sure, you can he's come." He's a good listener. Yeah. Yeah. Saeed like, is such a good listener. And, like, Sun makes a good point for herself, so why not bring her? Yeah. But imagine if this conversation happened with Jack. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, Saeed's like, I have no counter argument. Argument. Mm -hmm. You're welcome to join us. Yeah. Yeah. And Jack is like, then you're a woman. (laughs) (laughs) So Sun wasn't invited, and Sun's like, okay, well, I know how to say also, you know. (laughs) And I just really love the moment afterwards where Sun walks away and Jin's like, uh, yep. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess we're both going. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty um pretty simple scene. Sawyer offers Hurley food, which he doesn't want. Michael is freaking out, and Jack asks him what's up. Michael says he's just worried. So it's nice that Sawyer offers Hurley food, but then he makes a fat joke. So it's like, that cancels each other out. Yep. Sawyer was like, oh, I was too nice to this person. Also, he's not hungry because his girlfriend just died. Right. Yeah, Give him like, a break. He's going through some crap right now. Yeah. So yeah, Michael just is straight up freaking out, having like several panic attacks on the other side of the camp, really. Don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he says he's like not feeling well. And I'm like, don't tell Jack that you don't feel well because then he's going to start trying to diagnose you. Yep. Because he's a doctor. And then and then your story will fall apart. And that's just true. Yeah. That's true. He pays attention. Yeah. Which you wouldn't expect. Mm-hmm. And then he tell he like thanks Jack for coming. Um, and it's like, okay, but like you're a traitor. So you're like, oh great. So thanks. So we're doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sun has morning sickness. Jin finds her to show her that he and Saeed see a broken statue with only four toes. What's up with Eerie. the four toes? Um, so Sun has morning sickness because she's pregnant and Jin tells her that he told her not to come. And I'm like, girl, no, you didn't. Yeah, he literally at no point said, don't come. You said that you didn't want to go. Yeah. Like, explain yourself, sir. Get your story together. <laughs> so this is our first look at the four-toed statue. It is obviously very important. Uh, to the rest of the show. So we'll talk about yeah. it in the spoiler section, really. Um, rest of the statue is missing and has four toes. Which one of those is weirder? Uh, rest of the ha- statue is missing. No. Well, having four toes. I love that we have both sides. Brittany, debate your side. Where the rest of the statue go? Like, Why? statues deteriorate over time. Who built the statue? Why was there it a statue there in the first place? Having only four toes is like, were there were there humans here on this island with only four toes before we got here? And that, and they worshipped this thing? What? My, my thing is, who built that? Oh boy, what's going on here? Where did the rest of it go? I just feel like there's way more mysteries there instead of the four toes. But like, it could have just broken over time. Yeah, but- four. It, Four it, toes is like, what is that? Yeah, sure. But I would have just been like, oh, someone does not account. I would be is way more you? interested in the people who used to be on the island who built that statue. That's you also you can't Google it. You can't be like me, statues with four toes. Me, me, me being saying me, me, me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Beaker. Speak <gasps> up. Me, 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 me. The, me saying that it has four toes is weirder than it is partially destroyed slash missing is not negating that I am interested in who the heck built it. I'm just saying, why did they build it with four toes? The fact that it's missing parts just says it's been there a long time. I guess. I respect you both. Yeah, thank I you. Stick with, I'm going to stick with my argument still. Okay. Sawyer asks about the others and where they come from. No one really knows just yet. Kate has noticed that they are being followed. She and Sawyer turn the tables and hit one. Jack tells them that they can't go after the last 
last one because they need to seem like they trust Michael. He confronts Michael and Michael crumbles, telling them everything. He confesses to letting Henry go and killing the girls. Hurley is mortified and wants to go back. Jack won't let him. They have to keep going. He has a plan. Does he? Jack, I think you're a bully. I don't think Jack is a I mean, yeah, he is a bully. (laughs) Not necessarily in this moment. Yeah. And like my other thing is like, hmm, if anyone would have a a plan, it would be Saeed. So I wouldn't trust him until he said it's Saeed's plan. Then I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I'd be like, yeah. Right. right. He literally says like, I I wouldn't bring you out here if I didn't have a plan. And I'm like, you don't have a plan. (laughs) Saeed did. Saeed had a plan, but okay. So they ask if the the others are Dharma leftovers. Um, We can't really comment at this point. Hmm. Um, And then uh, Salir says that he thinks that they're aliens. Same. I mean, I don't think he's wrong. I'm upsettingly relating to Sawyer in this episode. I share too many opinions with this man. (laughs) Sawyer confuses the word prosthetic for... On Laspedia it says for pathetic... I thought he said aesthetics. No, he says something else. It starts with a P. Either way, he doesn't get the word prosthetic right. Yeah. Um, this man is too smart for to not know the word prosthetic. I'm sorry, but this man knows, like, he makes a bajillion references and he doesn't know the word prosthetic. I don't believe it. I don't know. Sometimes he's pretty stupid. Unrealistic. But of course, Hurley would know about prosthetics because he's a nerd. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Hurley's done cosplay. Yeah. Oh my god, he totally has. Who do you? Who would you guys say would be a good cosplay for Hurley to do? I think Hurley's done Han Solo. Mm, I love yeah. He loves Star Wars. He does yeah. love Star Wars. He does. That feels right. Mm-hmm. Sawyer says he can't even spell, um, and this is evidenced by the pilot when in front of Walt, Hurley said B-O-D-Y-S. Oh, yeah. And then Walt said B-O-D-I-E-S. And then Michael goes, what are you trying to say, man? Bodies? <laughs> <laughs> It's a great moment. He's a grown kid. (laughs) Yeah. And I actually really love this moment because, like, obviously, like, how long have they been walking? Like, you need to make your own fun at some point. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, so he's like, I think they're aliens and here's why. And, of course, like, (laughs) Kate's having her own, like, breakdown in the background. But, like, he's, like, just trying to have a good time. I think that's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like, why wouldn't you want to, like, actually theorize? There's literally nothing else to do. Right. So they turn the tables um, because Kate can tell that they're being followed, which we love. Sawyer hits one, um, but Jack says they can't go after the next one. Um, I love that Sawyer and Kate are on the same page. Mm-hmm. You guys get me. Um, <laughs> Jack immediately calls Michael out. Michael crumbles about it. Sawyer and Michael were friends at the beginning of the season, and so he probably he looks pretty betrayed by this. And, like, Michael crumbled so fast. So fast! Like, Jack was like, I know what you're up to, Michael, and Michael was like, yeah, I'm gonna tell the truth. Man. Yeah. Oop. Well, he's like, you know, last episode he, like, puked. And this episode, he was, like, hyperventilating, and so I'm like, yeah. bro's just been waiting to be called out, to Yeah, be he was, like, it was probably a slight relief to actually spill the secret. Yeah. But, like, he could have done it so much earlier. Totally. Like, I really do feel like if he had just, like, shown up and been like, I have to let Henry go, and also... Well, like, that's the problem. Letting Henry go? Is the letting the Henry go part. Yeah. Because telling them, hey, I get Walt back if I bring four of you back. That's not not a problem. We'll all go. We'll be ready. We can do it. The problem is letting Henry go. Yep. So I don't actually know how he would have gotten out of that one. I think he probably... I think if he'd said to Jack that we can take Henry with us Mm. and, like, trade him hostage to hostage, that probably would have gotten Jack some answers, too. I think that would have been a win-win scenario for him. I agree, but I, I don't think that Michael... Not that Michael is not smart enough to think of that, but, like, I feel like he's too afraid if he doesn't follow the directions 
to the T that he won't get Walt back. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so Sawyer obviously feels really betrayed. Hurley feels really betrayed. I mentioned last episode that like, not only was he betraying Anna Lucia and Libby, but he was also betraying the trust of every single person that was like, who like trusted him really, you know? He has no one left on his side. Yeah. So yeah, he let Henry go. He killed the girls and he says he didn't even have time to think Libby was a mistake. And Hurley says, but even if you did have time to think, you still you still would have killed them. Tell Tell them what? I know what you're doing, Michael! Now tell them the truth! Tell them! It was the only way. They gave me a list. What list? Had your names on it. I had to bring all four of you back when they said I'd never see my son again. Who are they? It's like I said, they, they live in a camp with hearts. I swear, that's it. You let Henry go? Did you kill them? I only see him. Maybe. Did you? I had to. I, uh, I couldn't find any other way. And, and, and Livy was a mistake. I, I, I didn't have time to think. But if you did have time. Still would have killed her, right? I'm sorry. Yeah, he probably. Well, I don't think he would have killed Libby. But he has to let Henry go. So what's he gonna do? I think if, like he, if had he had a choice, he wouldn't have killed them. I feel like if he had time to like come up with a better plan, he wouldn't have had to murder. Him. Right. But like he felt like he didn't have time. Yeah. I mean, like, could he have waited several more days until like they trusted him to be like alone in the hatch with Henry? Sure. Sure. But he's like in a hurry because he's they afraid that like. More and more bad things are happening to Walt every moment he's there. Yep. Like, being a scared parent tends to override a lot of otherwise logical, like, choices. Mm -hmm. So, I completely understand why Michael did what he did. I just, like, can't condone any of it. Right. Yeah. So Michael apologizes, and I do believe that he is genuinely sorry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I totally believe that. Um, his excuse is Walt, but yeah, like you said, I understand, but I don't support it. <laughs> Can you imagine how empty that would feel if you were Hurley, though? Totally. You're like, oh, so the person you love was more important than the person I love, so right. they had to die? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it, that would hurt to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Hurley wants to just leave, but Jack stops him. Um, and there was a fun fact from Lostpedia about this. Um, according to Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse, there was originally supposed to be a scene where Sawyer was also wanting to go back with Hurley, thinking it was stupid to help Michael after what he did. I completely understand that. Damon and Carlton wish they would have handled the feelings of the actors differently, but they just ran out of time. I wasn't under... What does I, that mean? Yeah, I think I think what they mean is handled the feelings of the characters. No, they wouldn't have said actors unless they meant it it might have been that josh i'm just saying that like this this isn't a quote oh okay. like it could just be the person who wrote it on lostpedia like messed up the word i mm. guess i but think you can think of it two ways it's either you take it as they messed up the word or the actors genuinely wanted to do something different with that scene and they weren't afforded that time yeah i just feel like if that were true then it would say something about josh saying that he wanted to go back you know what i mean 
Mm -hmm. or that he didn't want that scene to be cut. Right. Either way, I agree that it totally makes sense that Sawyer would also want to go back. Yeah. There's that, that selfishness there that is very much Sawyer. So then they kind of turn it on Jack because Jack knew that this was a trap the whole time and he let them come with anyway. Once again, Jack's lack of communication skills. Though, <clears throat> you it's could kind also of blame Saeed. Saeed. Yeah. So Jack says he has a plan. Everyone's still really upset and hurt. And also it was Saeed's plan. I gotta say like all of the actors that we have here really excel in scenes like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do a great job with ensemble stuff. Mm-hmm. So, which is great since this is an ensemble show. Yeah. <laughs> Saeed prays on the boat. Jin shows him what he found. They are at the other's camp. So Saeed is praying and Jin interrupts him. Um, As soon as we're done talking about this scene, I hit up Isra, who was on a few episodes ago, um, to talk a little bit about um, Saeed praying. And I, you know, I was a little confused as to if like, Jin interrupting him was really like disrespectful and stuff like that. Um, so she has some insight on that, which I really appreciated. So Saeed sees the rock with the hole in the middle, um, and he shouldn't actually know about that. So at um, on Lostpedia, it says Saeed says he recognizes the rock with the hole in the middle from Michael's information, but he was not seen to be given this information. We only saw Walt give it to Michael in secret on the computer. So oh, wait, so how would Saeed know that? We don't. We don't know. Wait, is it possible that Saeed made it to that part of the island when he went on his big? Trek. I don't think so. I think they would have said he would have said something about there being a town. Oh yeah, dog. You got me there. I think that potentially to make this make sense. Michael could have told Jack about that landmark and Jack could have told Saeed in secret. Oh, that would have made sense. Um, they had a lot of secret conversations. Yeah, so I think that's how we make it make sense, but uh, it, it's not canonically known like how he knew that. Gotcha. So yeah, now they're at the other's camp. And let me just pull up my email to Isra about, um, about Saeed this episode. Okay, I said, I'm doing my notes for Live Together Dialogue Part 1, and in the last minute we see Saeed praying. He gets interrupted by Jin. Just wondering if you have anything to add to that. I'm wondering if it's unchill to interrupt him. He seems okay with it, but that could be because there are high stakes. Please let me know. Oh, that's really sweet. Uh, um, And she got back to me with, she was like, I actually have a lot. And so I'll just email it. So, (laughs) um, so she sent this and she even has like a picture of Arabic like characters. And I'm like, I can't read this out loud on the podcast. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Okay. She said, in everyday life, 100%, it's rude to interrupt anyone while they are praying. It's not like he can put the prayer on pause and go back later. And it only takes like five minutes. In this case, though, um, he's got time as it's nowhere close to sunset. They could be in immediate danger soon. It wouldn't take very long to do it again because he's traveling and probably would have shortened all his prayers that day anyway. Also, Jin interrupted him pretty respectively. He called his name once. If Saeed really wanted to continue, he he could have. It's not like Jin like touched him or walked in front of him or anything. Yeah, I was going to say, if if he walked in front, that would be like the ultimate. Yeah. Oh, dear. From a behind the scenes perspective, I'm assuming they cut the prayer short in the scene because any longer and Naveen would have had to memorize full sentences in Arabic. Saeed is either about to start reading an invocation that's a few sentences long or the opening chapter of the Quran. They choose uh, the bit of prayer where the invocations are short so that Naveen could memorize them with ease. Oh, that's cool. I like his makeshift prayer mat. He doesn't need one, but it's nice that he found something to use to make sure he's praying on a clean spot. So in the episode, he's on like a little towel. Right, 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 right. All the pronunciations are pretty good. He makes really normal non-Arabic speaker mistakes. Arabic has some different letter to English. Like there's a few letters that usually English speakers all pronounce as K-H. I don't know what you're actually supposed to pronounce it as. Okay. And the only invocation he had to say aloud is the first one. All the other ones are typically said quietly. This is the only thing that stuck out to me the first time I watched. 
um, transliterations and translations of the invocations. She really she went beyond, oh like, above gosh, and beyond. Oh my gosh, such a queen. God is great. Our Lord, praise, to, praise be to he. How perfect is my Lord, the most high. That's, so that, those, she even gave us translations of what he says. That's amazing. Nice. Yeah. So thank you to Isra so much for uh, helping us out there. I think it's really important to talk about that sort of thing, because I don't know anything about it. No, I yeah. completely agree. Yeah. So it's important to uh, reach out to people who do know about it. And I like that the show like pays that much attention to like detail for other cultures. So it's not just like, here's some things that white people want to understand. Right. But it's like people, it makes sense for every culture. Yeah, they want, they want everybody to be able to watch it and enjoy it. You know, they don't want it to be like only white people can watch this and like, you know, they're so. Or like Catholics or something. Yeah, they're like clueless. So they don't, they don't know that this doesn't make any sense. Exactly. You know, like they're really trying to make it because I mean, the show is so diverse that it's like you want people who feel represented by these characters to enjoy it and feel represented, like I said. And it's like a lot of shows are never going to get everything right 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they did this. And of course, like there was always room for improvement, but it I, I like knowing all of the behind the scenes effort that went into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that they like took the time to like care about those details. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you can follow Isra at Isra Glass on Twitter. Um, thank you to her for helping us out. Thank you. So now we're going to move on to the Desmond storyline on the island, not the Flashes. Starting at the beginning of the episode. Sun spots the boat. Everyone freaks out. Sawyer, Jack, and Saeed head into the water and get to the boat. Brigade. They start getting shot at, and once they reveal who's in the side, it's Desmond. He's drunk and listening to classical music. Honestly, relatable. (laughs) So the people that go are Jack, Sawyer, and Saeed, and you know what? That seems right. Yeah. They show, like, a shot through, like, binoculars, and I recall us having a conversation about where they got binoculars before, but I don't remember the last time they used them. Mm. Didn't we just assume that it was part of, like, Sawyer's stash or something? I think we said it was in the hatch. Right! But I don't remember the last time they used binoculars for us to have that conversation. But I remember us having that conversation, so I don't think we have to have it again. Okay! (laughs) And then someone in the background says, maybe it's a trap. Oh, oh, this is a trap. Oh, okay. This is the thing that's a trap. Right, this is the thing that's a trap. Sure, sure, okay. To be fair, they've been on that island for so long where so many things were a trap. Yeah. Can you really blame them? It's just funny because this is not a trap. The other thing's a trap. (laughs) It's true. So they start getting shot at on this boat. Um, They're playing classical music. And when they get there, it's Desmond inside. And he says, you, to Jack, which is what Jack said to Desmond at the end of 201. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a question. See how they for you did guys. that there. Yes, I have a question for you guys. Okay, so say you're Desmond mm-hmm. and you're drunk on this boat and you're feeling pretty helpless. Mm-hmm. What do you listen to? What are you listening to? Wonderwall, the Mamma Mia soundtrack. I think that Desmond should also be listening to Wonderwall for reasons that will be uh, that will will what will be revealed later. Yeah, I feel like it's not a spoiler to say that Wonderwall is an important song to Desmond. That's why Wonderwall is my favorite song. Yeah. What about you, Benny? Hmm. Okay, so th- this is music that you're listening to when you're sad because he's having a bad time. Oh, okay. So... Either way, just, like, pick an emotion I'm listening to Wonderwall, you know? That's fair. I, if I'm in a sad mood, I put on Mamma Mia and I feel better. So oh. I stand by my answer. Okay. I'd probably be listening to Aerosmith. Okay. Yeah. Which one? I like Aerosmith. Just any of them. The best of, you know? Mm. Okay. Good. This is Aerosmith channel on Spotify. <laughs> Basically... <laughs> So that evening, Jack tries to give Des some dinner. He's not interested. Desmond didn't mean to come back and is now convinced that this island is all that's left in the world. They are now living inside a snow globe. Mm-hmm. He's a bubble. Um, which is funny because Desmond's 
like what's important to Desmond is like snowmen always remind me of Desmond, you yeah. know, because what did one snowman say to the other snowman is like an important question. Yeah. Um, so that those those go together. They do. So yeah, Desmond doesn't want food. Um, he's drunk. His his stomach is full of alcohol. He's having Not a hard hungry. time. He didn't mean to come back. <laughs> like I think I can't remember. I think that Jack says like, "Why did you come back?" And Desmond's like, "Frick you." <laughs> <laughs> You're you like, well, all right then. <laughs> he was sailing for two and a half weeks. Didn't realize he had food on there. But I guess he did. Uh, last episode, Sawyer said that the Irish drink when they are in mourning. But here we have a Scotsman. And he's just drinking, well, f- I guess in mourning. Because he failed. Yeah. I really love the moment where Desmond's like, so are you still pushing it? And Jack, who's the person who doesn't want to be pushing it, has to be the one to be like, yeah. 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 We're still pushing it. Yeah, I guess. Like, the fa- like, can you imagine being Jack in that moment and realizing that the guy who was in charge of pushing it also thinks it's stupid? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're like, great, so I've been vindicated this entire time. Right. In the hatch, Echo reads the logs they took from the pearl. John sees that there's five minutes left on the timer and tells Echo they should let it run out and see what happens. Echo isn't into that idea. Locke tries to smash the computer, but Echo doesn't let him and pushes him out of the hatch. So my big question for this is, why did this all of a sudden become so important to Echo? Well, that was, uh... In question mark, right? Yeah, it's just that it's quite extreme. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, he thinks that the the island, like, did this and also, you know, it has something to do with Yemi as well because of all of the dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, I, I guess I didn't phrase my question correctly. My, my question really is that what does Echo think he's accomplishing by pressing this button? I think, oh man, what did Isra say? She tweeted and she said, it's not about, oh no, that was about Locke. I don't think it's, like, what he's accomplishing. It's, like, the gesture? It's just the gesture and, like, how it makes him feel or, like, how, like, it makes him feel like... If he feels like he's fulfilling a purpose. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think he thinks that it's accomplishing anything. Okay. So Echo's reading the logs and he's just, like, happy to see John. He's just, like, a little clam, just, like... He's like, hey, my Hello. friend John! Um, and there's five minutes left on the clock. And I think that if there were more time on the clock, Locke wouldn't have brought it up just then. Because if there, if, if there was 60 minutes on the clock, Echo would have more time to think it over and yep. be like, ah, actually, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, it needs to be like now, and then he'll see if Echo is feeling, like, impulsive. Yep. But if there was more time on the clock, then he wouldn't have done it, I think. Can you imagine Echo feeling impulsive? Yeah. <laughs> so then he's like, well, why wouldn't I push the button? And Locke says, because you don't want to be a slave. Hey, bud, oh. not a great word choice. <sighs> That was us at our panel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Ugh. God. We were just like, oh, sir. Sir. No, thank you. Um, Can you explain what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like we're talking about slaves on the panel? Yeah, no. We So we had a panel at Unity Days this year, and um, we got a question, which was, would you rather, was it, would you rather be a prime or would you rather, what was the other one? Uh, oh, would you rather be in the City of Light mm-hmm. for the, this is for the hundred. And we were like debating like back and forth which ones we would want to be. And this guy chooses in the audience, chooses to be a prime. And he explains that he doesn't really like kids anyway. And like, he doesn't, he wouldn't feel bad about it because these people don't feel bad about it because it's just what they do. It was like when people had slaves and they didn't feel bad about it. It was just what they did. And he was like, literally sitting next to a black woman. Yeah. And I was just sitting here like, if she kills you right now, that's on you. Yeah, we'll sit here and we'll applaud. I'll help her. 
Oh, but, boy. Yeah. I was going to be like, oh, do we really want to call him out? Because I could remember the context of it. And then I'm like, no, yeah, you deserve this for bringing up slavery right. where it did not belong. Yeah. And then trying it, to justify it for white he, people. He used slavery to justify choosing to be a person whose body snatches other people's bodies. Without their consent. Without their consent so that you can live forever. Yeah. Mm, not great, sir. No, oh, not great. Not great. Oh, dear. Mm-mm. Um, so Echo says, I am a slave to nothing. Yeah. Good for you, bud. I've been thinking. About what? That in a minute, that computer's gonna start beeping. And when it does, you're gonna let it go. You're gonna let it run down to zero, past zero. And you're not gonna push the button. But I am going to push the button. Why wouldn't I? Because you don't want to be a slave. I'm a slave to nothing. You're a slave to that. Just like I was. So I'm going to tell you again. Don't push it. Do not tell me what I can do. And then, of course, Echo uses Locke's catchphrase. And every time his catchphrase is used against him, it's like, ooh. He's like, ah, he gets so upset. Mm -hmm. He's like, that's my thing. He's like, I only have one thing. It's being obsessed with this hatch and saying that, and you've stolen both of them from me. (laughs) So Locke tries to smash the computer, but Echo won't allow it, obviously. Um, And then Locke talks about how they are puppets on strings. Uh, And this is a reference to Watchmen, which is really cool because um, that's obviously the show that Damon Lindelof has been working on most recently because he loves Watchmen so much and it really shows in this moment. So from Lostpedia, Locke tells Echo that we are only puppets, puppets on strings, as long as we push it, we'll never be free. In Watchmen, Dr. Manhattan comments that we're all puppets. I'm just a puppet who can see the strings. Desmond's drunken comment about being trapped in a bloody snow globe echoes the comic's fascination with snow globes. The producers have commented multiple times on Watchmen's literary importance. Mm. Wow. That's very clear. Yeah. Episode, for sure. So then Echo banishes Locke from the computer room. And you know what? That's fair. But the a computer <laughs> room? Yeah. Remember when there used to be a room in your house for a computer? Yeah. Yes. There's still a computer room in my, in our, like, home, in our home house, in our, my child. <laughs> Ma'am? It's not even, like, it's not even, like, my, because, like, this is my home, this apartment is my home, but then I have a house. Yeah. But it's not mine, it's my parents now, but I don't want to say my parents' house, because it still feels like my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've been having that problem since I moved away, like, four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, it does not resolve itself. Nope. Anyway, and I don't, I can't really call it my childhood home, because we moved after I was a kid, so it's, like, I've been, anyway, it doesn't matter. Either way. In that house, we have a computer room still, but we don't call it the computer room anymore. It's called the office now. Yeah. Mm, so. Yeah. Um, we call ours um, the place where we shove all our crap. Mm, yeah. So storage? No. No, it's okay. still the office. Yeah. Yeah. But it's mostly a junk room. So Locke, like, needs to find out what happens if you don't press it. I also need to find out. But I mean, Locke also already kind of saw, and it seemed pretty bad. Yeah, so, like... But maybe let's do Yeah. Locke's like, y'all mind if I mess around in 10th state? (laughs) Charlie comes across Locke in the jungle crying. Charlie tells Locke that Desmond is back and he should go talk to him. So Locke be cry. I can't believe he cry. He be cry. The fact that he doesn't allow himself to be vulnerable, though, is fascinating. Right, yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. I, I saw that as well. Well, I just think it's interesting that, like, I don't think Locke has ever truly shown emotional vulnerability in terms of... Like, he's shown vulnerability by being angry before right and Locke is someone who obviously i think we know lashes out mm-hmm. 
But seeing him genuinely like mourn or be upset and cry and be frustrated, we've never seen that because he's never been close enough to anyone to allow that to like happen. Like we've absolutely seen it, but, but not never, on this island. Yeah, and never in front of people. Exactly. You know, like he's always alone when he's like crying. Which is like, I, I, I get it because you don't want other people to see it. Yeah. But it also kind of just makes me sad because even though Locke has done a lot of like pretty shady things, he's also just a person. Yeah. So Locke didn't know that Desmond was back because he didn't go to the funeral. He, like, literally just kind of, like, walked off and didn't go. Charlie is kind of being a little bit malicious in this scene, I feel like. Um, I wonder if maybe the only thing that I could think of as to why he would be angry with Locke, because he and Locke had a moment last episode where he, like, like when Charlie threw all the Mary statues in, he looked over at Locke and they had, like, a moment of recognition. Yeah. So the only thing I could think of was that maybe... Charlie blames Locke for Echo, like, leaving him mm-hmm. because Locke was hanging out with Echo and then when Echo came back, like, Echo was like, I need to go find John. And then when he came back from being with Locke, he was like, I'm not hanging out with you anymore, Charlie. So that's the only thing, only reason I could think of for Charlie to be, like, angry with him. Oh, see, I figured it was something as simple as that he was kind of pissed that he didn't go to the funeral or didn't help with anything afterwards. Oh, okay. Sure. See, it kind of seems like the closest shortcut to me. Yeah. Desmond, ooh, this one's fun. (laughs) I'm excited. Desmond sees Claire about to inject the vaccine into Aaron. He tells her it doesn't do anything and asks about Thomas, Aaron's father. Desmond understands him leaving if he thought it was best for them, but Claire sees it simply as being selfish. So first of all, he calls Claire sister and not brother. (laughs) You know, everyone says that he always says brother a lot, and it's because there are so many male characters on this show that he's always saying brother because Mm -hmm. he's always talking to male characters. And we don't yet know why he calls everybody brother. Like in canon, we don't know why he calls everybody brother yet. Right. Right. And so I guess they kind of just like put sister in there so that it would make sense, I guess. It took me a minute to remember the canon reason. Yeah. I was like, wait, there was a reason for that? And mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, yep, there yep. was. So the, he says the vaccine doesn't do anything. He's supposed to take it every nine days. He took it every nine days for three years and nothing happened. No, no there was no problem. They talk about how the father's not around. And he says that he, maybe Thomas thought that he would be a bad dad and was trying to help Claire. But Claire sees it that he was just doing what was best for him and wasn't thinking about her. He's lovely. <laughs> is the um, is the father here on the island? No. No, he's been gone a long time. Sort of walked off the moment he got a bit scared by the situation. Well, maybe he knew he'd be a lousy dad. Thought he was doing what was best for you. He was doing what was best for him. I think every bad father's justification for walking away is, oh, I didn't think I would be a good parent. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Yeah. A lot of moms don't know if they're going to be good parents. They do it anyway. Can you tell I have baggage attached to this? Yeah, you want to okay. I mean, I think people have heard it on the podcast before, but it's relevant. So do you want to talk about it? Well, basically, my dad was a shitty parent who decided that he would rather be a kid himself than raise children. So he cheated on my mom with his secretary because like he was like, I don't want to be responsible. And I was like, are you are you kidding me? You're a grown-ass man. Yeah. So, like, when Desmond was, like, trying to give him the benefit of the doubt, I was literally, like, shut up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, such, it's such a shortcut way for, like, men especially to give up on parenting. And I'm like, parenting was never going to be easy, sport. When I was watching this scene, I didn't, like, think about it that... Not, like, that deeply as in, like, what you just said, but, like, that deeply as in how it relates to Desmond as a person. Yes. Because I was sitting there, I was like, who... Does anyone believe this? Like, it's obvious to me that... It's just the coward move. And then I'm sitting here thinking about this and I was like, wait, 
Desmond thinks that he's not good enough for Penny, and yep. that's why he goes on his stupid quest. Mm-hmm. So he's just sitting here, like, relating to this guy who left, mm-hmm. and even though he doesn't know why he left or anything. He's just like, well, if it was me... I just thought I was doing them a favor by leaving. Yeah, you're standing up for this garbage guy that you don't even know. Yeah. Isn't that always the way? Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, yeah. I want you guys to know that after this, like, note, I have two other examples for the spoiler section of, like, reasons why this makes sense for Desmond. He's done it many other times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a runner. Oh, yeah. You know, in the flashbacks when Charles Widmore calls him a coward, at first you're like, hey, don't be mean to my friend Desmond. But, like, maybe sometimes you're a little bit cowardly, my guy. There is uh, a literal note in my notes, and I just said, this is kind of a coward, though. Yeah. So, him choosing to go around the world instead of get a steady job and try and, like, be a good support system for Penny is a coward move. Which would be fine if she had actually moved on and was, like, actually getting married, which, of course, we'll talk about in in the flashbacks. Like... But it's clear that, like, she doesn't actually love that guy. She tells Desmond, like, please, like, what if you were back now instead of in a year from now, you know? Exactly. She still loves him. She gives him an opportunity right there, and he's like... Even after she thinks he didn't write her at all. Yeah. So, like, the fact that he still is like, I'm out of here, it's, like, it's hard because... He has his reasons, and they're valid reasons. I don't... I guess I just don't understand the concept of being, like, I need... The respect of this person's father, even though they don't care about the respect of their father. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. He's trying to please her father instead, instead of, of pleasing her. her. Yeah. And that's the messed up thing about Desmond Penny. Like, she doesn't care about what Charles Widmore thinks. She doesn't care. No. Yeah. She just wants to marry him. So she it's has like, her own life. So it's like, what's the problem? Yeah. There isn't one. Yeah. It's- I have this in my notes. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about it when we get there. Okay, sounds good. I just like really love that scene because it's like without even knowing, and and that's why Lost is so rewatchable as well. Because like I said, I got two other examples in (laughs) in my notes right here. You know what I mean? He does this all the time. Locke finds Desmond and finally gets the answer to the snowman question. Locke tells him about the pearl, which angers Desmond. He tells Locke to stop pushing the button, which isn't a problem. They need to stop. Echo. So, um, Desmond finishes his drink, um, and it turns out that the answer to what did the snowman say to the other, other snowman is smells like carrots. I think that is a genuinely funny joke. And of course, we'll talk about this in the, in the flashbacks as well, but, you know, looking at the season two finale and the season two premiere, or I think like maybe 202, 203, when we finally get like Locke's side of the whole debacle really Mm -hmm. is we get like big parallels between kelvin saying are you him and kelvin saying what did the snowman say to the other snowman obviously they are like important questions to ask to figure out if this person is your replacement or not yeah yeah or like your partner in in that yeah he still calls Locke Boxman, which I love. <laughs> he calls him Boxman through the whole episode. Yeah, I'm just like I'm I'm trying to remember if he ends up like continuing to call him Boxman for the whole season for the whole series. Like, does he know Locke's name? Does he just think his I name don't know is Boxman? If, I don't know if he knows Locke's name. Like, was he too scared to ask his name? So he was like, I'm gonna keep just keep calling him Boxman. Who's to say? Who's to say? So then Locke says that everything he's been doing for the past three years is all for nothing. And you know what, bud? You don't know that. You know, you're trying to prove that. But you don't know that. No. Right. So stop trying to, like, confuse him. He's very drunk. <laughs> He's very <laughs> drunk. And and easily impressionable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he tells him all about the pearl, and I liked the moment where Locke said, our hatch. Like, it's he and Desmond's hatch, because all season, when people said it was your hatch, he liked that. But then in 
in question mark, he specifically said, no, it's not my hatch. Yeah, because the mystery is gone for him now. Exactly. So Des is having a really hard time believing, so he shows him the orientation film for the Pearl. He doesn't even have to show him the actual VHS. He just shows him that the VHS exists. And yep. he's like, what? Wow. So he's like, why don't you just stop pressing it? Locke says he did, but somebody else has started pressing it. And so tomorrow we're going to figure out what happens if you don't press it. Yo, Which, the line someone else started pressing it yeah. is such a great line. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I loved the moment where Locke says, like, tomorrow we're going to figure out what happens when we stop pushing that button. Mm-hmm. Because that's what people have been waiting for all season. Yeah. To figure out what happens when, when the button isn't pushed. You want to take a walk? I'll make the popcorn. You're so sure it's not real. And just stop pushing the button. Well, I have, except, unfortunately, someone else decided to start. So you're gonna sober up. We're gonna get a good night's sleep, and tomorrow, we're gonna find out what happens if that button doesn't get pushed. Echo carves his stick some more. He hears some strange sounds, so he goes to check them out. Locke, with the help of Desmond, triggers a lockdown, trapping Echo outside the computer room. So Echo's just in here doing more etching, like yeah, he does. he's just minding his business, doing smarts and crafts. Desmond activates the lockdown as soon as Echo gets far enough away. The countdown starts at 8. Oh, that's the number. Mm-hmm. We still don't know, and I don't think we ever get the answer as to how the lockdown happened the first time in, one, in 217. We don't ever really get an answer as to why that happened. Magic. Unless it was like... Maybe one of the others was at the Pearl and it was triggered from the Pearl, maybe? I don't know. I made that up. Maybe the Hatch was just having an off day and it was kind of bored. Yeah, maybe. And it was like, you know what? Let's do this. So Locke says that he's more sure about this than anything in his ever that has ever happened to him. And like, yikes. Um, and what a huge... <laughs> What a huge betrayal of trust for Echo. Yeah. Echo experiences nothing but trust betrayal for most of his life. It's just like, in question mark, Echo looked at Locke and told him all of the coincidences that had happened with the plane, with Yemi, with the heroine, with everything. And he now he's being- heart. And, and And this plane landed on top of the Pearl so that he could go down into the Pearl and watch this thing and figure out that this is his destiny. And this means so, so, so much to him. And Locke is willing to just like force him- out of it and like that's not friendship well because Locke's agenda comes before everyone else's Mm -hmm. like as flawed and wonderful a character as Locke is he and I think I've said this before and some people disagree but I think Locke does have a degree of selfishness to him Mm -hmm. and this is definitely an example of that I think everybody has a degree of selfishness to them I definitely don't think that's a that's a false statement but I think that with Locke it tends to override a lot of his Mm -hmm. other like understanding of how to be kind to other humans sure this is a Locke hate account um sorry Maria it sure is not I like me. Yeah. I, I meant myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. But I remember in I think it I think it's Collision when Locke and Echo meet for the first time, and they literally just go hi hi yep. to each other. And I remember like us potting about that moment, being like, "So that's important." Um. Yep. Anyway, I guess we have to move on. And like, this is what I'm talking about. I think Locke is very threatened by Echo. Yeah, because Echo has a surety of his beliefs that Locke does not have Mm -hmm. like he certainly put up a front about it but even when his beliefs were shaken echo stood by them right and Locke can't claim that he did so can we now talk about some symbolism sure echo tries to push his 
stick underneath the door. And instead of, because in lockdown, Locke was able to stick something underneath the door and that's how he was able to get the door up a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Echo tries to stick his stick through the the door. Mm-hmm. And of course, Locke, knowing that this can actually help, he just grabs the stick and just takes it. Oh, it is so mean. So what's the symbolism of Locke taking Echo's Jesus stick? He took his faith. That, yeah. that stick represents every piece of faith that Echo has. Mm-hmm. And Locke just took it, which this whole scene is literally about Locke taking Echo's faith from him. Yeah. And that was the literal physical manifestation of it. Mm-hmm. It's also like a seizure of agency as well. Right. Yeah. He's, I mean, it, yeah, he doesn't have any say in the matter at all. No. Yeah. Okay, so now we've got a couple smaller scenes. Um, Desmond learns that Echo is a priest and doesn't feel great about what they just did to him. Nope. I, I understand that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Echo's a priest. Des is religious and doesn't love that they did that to a priest. Yeah. No. I don't blame him. Yeah. Echo climbs out of the hatch, sees the quarantine door. That's basically it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Be interesting later. I don't know if Echo knew that it was quarantine before now, and I don't mm-hmm. really know what that adds to him trying to like... Like, we knew it was quarantine before, right? We knew that it said quarantine. Right. And, you know, it kind of goes into Desmond in the flashbacks thinking that the air is toxic, you know what yeah. I mean? And then the, that's also, like, part of it, part of it being, like, a mind game to the person in the hatch. Yeah. Because it says quarantine on the inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not on the outside. And it's yeah. just all a show. Uh-huh. But but I don't know what that adds to to Echo's story. I'm I'm, not, I'm just not sure. Probably nothing. Um, Echo runs back to the beach and finds Charlie playing guitar. He asks for his help pretty please in getting back inside the hatch. Charlie agrees. Let's go to the beach, beach. So Charlie is really mad at Echo. Which is honestly fair because last episode he was really mean to him. Yeah, um, Charlie's entirely vindicated and not wanting to help at all. Yeah, yep. like, I don't think Echo was meaning to be very mean, but he was when Charlie said, like, that was kind of, I don't think Charlie said this in his words, but, like, it was implied that Charlie's like, this was my sense of purpose, and now what am I supposed to do? And Echo literally just says, your no- new sense of purpose is going to get me my stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that that's the flaw in Echo's, like, surety of faith. Yeah is he's so sure that other people must bend to that will. And it's like, just because you think something is important doesn't mean that the people around you think that. Right. So Echo says that he is certain that everyone will die if they don't do this. And I guess Charlie really, like, sees that in his eyes and is willing to help him. Mm -hmm. Um, And they they really do, they team up again, which is interesting. You know, I mean, friendships have their ups and downs. They sure do. But ultimately, Charlie and Echo are a duo, and I love that for them. Yeah. So that's the end of that storyline in this episode. Nice. Hey, Brittany, can you tell me a little bit about Patreon? Sure. Patreon is, ser- is a service where you can donate monthly to your favorite creators. Cool. Yeah, I know. That's all you need to know, right? Uh, well, could I get a little more information? Yeah, but you gotta pay me for it. Uh, okay, well, I just gave your fiancé $10, so. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine then. Um, so, basically, we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash theaffectionados. And the profits that we get from there, which... I mean, they started a dollar a month if you, like, want to donate to us. Um, we use for all of our very expensive hosting fees. That sounds like it would be really helpful if I donated to that. Yeah, and, like, in return, you get stuff. Like what? Um, so, like, you get early access to the pods, like, and you're you're the only one who does. Wow. Yeah. And every year we make and send out custom postcards. So if you want those, you should sign up for our Patreon, and then we'll send you a postcard. I heard that if I'm a fan of this podcast, early access is really worth it. Yeah, because it's like sometimes weeks in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Depending on how fast Robin edits. And what what if I can't donate? Oh my god, that's okay, because you know what? Money is 
is tight all over the world right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so the next best thing you can do is tell a friend. Cool. And maybe I could also press the little stars on iTunes. That's free. Ooh, yeah, that is free. Great. Cool. Do you want to talk about the flashbacks? Uh, yeah. Yay. Desmond is finally let out of prison. He's been dishonorably discharged from the military. He gets his belongings back, including a copy of Charles Dickens' book, Our Mutual Friend, which Desmond is adamant about being the last thing he reads before he dies. He is now free to go. So he gets back keys, pocket watch, photo of Desmond and Penny, and Our Mutual Friends by Charles Dickens. Mm -hmm. This is a reference to Straight Man, which is a novel by Richard Russo. The character William Henry Devereux Sr. dies while reading Our Mutual Friend. Hmm. So that's what that's referencing is. Gotcha. Um, he doesn't have, didn't bring the book in with him because he wants to avoid temptation because Desmond is so sure about it that he wouldn't, he can't kill himself in prison if he hasn't read the, the book. I didn't even realize that that was the temptation that he was talking about. Oh, you thought it was a temptation because he just he really just wants to read the book? To read the book. Yeah. I think that what it was- I like that double meaning. Yeah. I think that what it was was that he physically cannot die if he has not read the book. Yeah. And I think that he might feel a little um, immortal mm. with it, without it. You know what I mean? Yeah. One book, a mutual friend. Why don't you bring that inside? To avoid temptation, brother. I've read everything Mr. Charles Dickens has ever written. Every wonderful word. Every book. Except this one. I'm saving it. So it'll be the last thing I ever read. Before I die. Nice idea. As long as you know when you're gonna die. Lance Corporal Desmond David Hume. Your sentence is hereby complete. And you are now and forever dishonorably discharged from the Royal Scots Regiment of Her Majesty's Armed Forces. Long live the Queen. Enjoy your sodding book. So here's another one that could probably be put into the uh actually category. So this is from Lostpedia. The uniforms of the British Army soldiers are inaccurate. They are all pictured wearing outdated clothing and their berets are not formed. They should be closely formed to the head with the peak coming down over the right eye. Nor do they have any regimental cap badges denoting with whom they serve. The soldier discharging Desmond is credited as a master sergeant, a rank which does not exist in the British Army. Nope. So I really appreciate all the stuff that they did with Saeed, Saeed praying at the end of the episode. <laughs> but uh, not quite here. Yeah, not they quite. really dropped the ball there. So he gets dishonorably discharged for failing to follow orders. Um, to this day, his exact offense is unknown. Oh. They answer a lot of questions on Lost, but this is not one of them. Yeah. So I guess you have to go to prison if you're dishonorably discharged? Well, or if you disobey Wait. orders. Mm. Like, I guess I just, I didn't know that ever. Season training during the constant, right? Yeah. In the flashback in season four, I, that's not a spoiler because this show does flashbacks. He's in training. Yeah. Okay. So it couldn't have been anything that happened in that. I don't think so. Let me look this up. Dishonorably, dishonorable discharge. United Kingdom. There are several reasons why someone may be discharged from the military, including expiration of enlistment, disability, dependency, and hardship. Members of the British Armed Forces are to complete their service obligations before they may be considered for discharge. Service personnel who attempt to leave before completing their length of service without going through appropriate channels may be subject to criminal conviction. At the end of service in the regular forces, personnel normally have a compulsory reserve liability. The length of this liability depends on the service, rank, and type of commission or engagement in which they entered and whether they are subject to the reserve forces act 1980 uh, whatever so basically if you try to leave without completing your service you may be subject to criminal conviction sounds like something does would do yeah so we've got types of discharge 
invalid, inval, invaliding. Personnel may be invalided out if they are found permanently unfit for full naval service, but I don't think that's what that is. Resignation, that's not what he did. Compulsory withdrawal, administrative discharge, dismissal, compassionate discharge. Dismissal, officers charged with offenses under the military discipline le- legislation. In exceptional cases, of officers may be dismissed with disgrace. Ouch. <laughs> okay, so either way, he refused to follow orders, and so he got convicted criminally right okay so that's that yeah all right next uh next part as desmond leaves in the pouring rain someone in a car offers to give him a ride desmond doesn't want it because it's charles widmore the love of his life's father who doesn't think he's good enough for her i hate that guy widmore shows desmond that he's intercepted all of his letters to penny so she thinks he's forgotten all about her he tries to bribe Desmond into never talking to Penny again, but, um, hello, love! <laughs> so he doesn't want to ride with Widmore, but uh, he gets it anyway. Because, yeah. because it's relevant to his interests. Yeah. You know. And so he talks about his past and his future, and his past is all of his letters to Penny, and his future is money to stay away from Penny. Mm. Is this not just Sun and Jin 2.0? Tell me more. Didn't she have a rich dad who didn't think that Jin was good enough? Um, I guess so, but he, he said it was okay for them to get married as long as he worked for him. But it's still, like, the same idea, which is, sure. in order to, like, be with my daughter, I have to deem you worthy, and it has nothing to do with her own, like, agency. Okay, sure, yeah. Interesting. I definitely think that there are some bigger differences, but at its, like, core, yeah. I, I agree. I can see it. Um, so, from Lostpedia, when Desmond looks through his letters, you can see the return address in the top left-hand side of the envelopes. In the United Kingdom, you don't need a return address, and if you do <laughs> include one, it goes on the reverse of the envelope. Oh. oh. So... Why don't you need a return address? Someone who is in the UK. Answer that question. Yeah, someone who's in the UK. I know there are people... Does your mail just always get there? Must be nice. Like, I know Royal Mail can't be that reliable. Mm -hmm. Because Canada Post is shit too. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Widmore knew exactly when Desmond was being released because oh, he was like he there to control it. Yeah, and waiting. Um, and then he calls Desmond a coward, which we kind of already discussed. All right. Oh, I I did have a note about Charles Dickens. Okay. I've only read one Charles Dickens book, which is Tale of Two Cities, but it did make me cry. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my only note. I also have read one. Well, I'm very familiar with the Chris with the Christmas story. Oh yeah, yeah. But I've only read one Charles Dickens book as well, and it was called The Mystery of Edwin Drood, and it was the last one he wrote before he died, and it's unfinished. <laughs> yeah, I did not dro- know that Drood was Dickens. I didn't yeah. either. I would love to tell you about it. Okay. So basically, I was in this musical called The Mystery of Edwin Drood. I played Edwin Drood. <laughs> anyway. Basically, what happened was Charles Dickens wrote this murder mystery called The Mystery of Edwin Drood, obviously, in which uh, Edwin Drood gets murdered, and he died before he could finish it. And so Rupert Holmes wrote a musical about it, you know, Mr. Pina Colada. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He wrote a musical about it, and basically what happens is, like, three quarters of the way through the play, you, the audience gets to choose who the murderer is, and then there's, like, a bajillion different combinations of ending and I liked it because I played Drood and so I just like left and then I came back at the end and it was always the same for me but everybody else had to be on their feet (laughs) (laughs) so that was fun I like the idea of like creatively giving it an ending which is well we don't know what it is so you do it you pick yeah all right in America, Desmond tries to buy a coffee. He just spent the last of his American money, so the woman behind him in line pays for it. Turns out it's Libby, several years before the crash. Desmond asks if she has $42,000 more, and she says it depends. It depends! <laughs> is, she get, is she getting that psychologist money or what? Oh, good point. I guess. 
So anyway, Desmond asked for something with caffeine, which Brittany can relate to. Yep. Oh, I can also relate. <laughs> he says that he spent all of his American money on a taxi, so I guess he just recently arrived. Why Libby, did you go to America with no money? Well, he has money. He just spent, he just doesn't have any more American money. He has to get more American money. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Libby offers to pay for it because it's just four bucks. Right. Imagine a coffee being four. Oh, that's a number. <laughs> um, imagine a coffee actually being that cheap though. It, I don't buy coffee. It, it is. It is? If you go places that aren't Starbucks. Oh, I was going to say, everyone always complains about how expensive Starbucks is. I don't know anything about coffee culture, so I <laughs> was trying to assimilate. Do you go to JJ because it's less expensive than Starbs? Yeah, and also more delicious. Oh, wow, hot take. Like, I only get one thing when I go to JJ, but it is less expensive and more delicious, so mm-hmm. why would I not? And it's also closer. Right. <laughs> so this is three years before the crash, maybe a little bit more, because Desmond's been on the island for three years. And then he also does some training because mm-hmm. he says he has eight months to get into shape. Right. For the race. Mm-hmm. Eight's a number. Yeah. So it's like maybe around how many years would you say? If he was on the island for three years and he trained for about eight, how, how many months or how many years would you say that we are? Gee, maybe four? That sounds right. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so this is before she's in the hospital with Hurley, I think. I agree. I'm pretty sure. Let me look at my timeline real quick. Because I'm I'm pretty sure. Because I think this is like 2000. And then let me look at Dave. Sometime in 2001. Oh, there you go. And then I think the Dave flashback was in 2003. But let me look. Flashback. Yes, pre-crash timeline. Because it doesn't say on the thing. I know we talked about it. But I'm just trying to figure it out. Pre-crash timeline. 1800s. No, thanks. I'm trying to go <laughs> to 2001. Okay, 1995. 1996. Y'all, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate Lostpedia. Truly. (laughs) Okay, 1997. 2000s. Me and Brittany with Memory Alpha. Yeah. God, there used to be a time that Battlestar Wiki was so comprehensive and so filled out that it was like literally taught in my screenwriting class as like the best resource that you could have compiled by fans. Mm, That's amazing. For any TV show. They were like, this is the most comprehensive. And now it doesn't even exist anymore. Does it? It's gone. Oh, it's mirrored, but the actual like Battlestar Wiki itself is completely gone. That's tragic. Okay, so what did I just say? I just said this is before Libby was in the yes. place with you. Okay, yes, I was right. Okay, I agreed with you. Yeah. So this is happening sometime in two thousand one, and she checks herself into Santa Rosa sometime in two thousand two. Mm. So not sure what happened within those within that year, but either way, something did. Wouldn't it have been nice if they'd fleshed out her character enough to actually know that? Alas. So he needs uh, 42000 more dollars. Uh, so wait. Yes. Is her husband dead? Yes. Maybe she starts seeing her husband and that's why she checks herself. Maybe, but it's definitely not the same Dave that Hurley sees. <laughs> because those are two different Daves, all right? All right. So anyway, she needs forty-two. He needs forty-two thousand more dollars. Same. Also, I would love forty-two thousand dollars. And so she says, "Depends." On what? On what? How many millionaire blonde women can he meet? Yeah. Uh, so yes, something that we've been talking about all season is whether or not Libby was actually a psychologist or not. And whether she, like, learned that in the Mental Health Institute. And so that's why she, like, knows so much about being a psychologist. But now that I'm looking back on this, I'm like, maybe this is when she was a psychologist. And she wasn't necessarily a psychologist. She hasn't been a psychologist for, like, several years, maybe. Maybe. And she actually was, because, like, where did she get all that money? Her husband's life insurance? Yeah, Yeah. I was just gonna say, it's probably her husband's life insurance. Right. Okay, well, 
That's still up for debate, though. Desmond tells Libby all about the solo race around the world. He's trying to win the respect of Widmore. It's his race. Unfortunately, Desmond doesn't currently have a boat to sail the race with. Libby, in fact, does have a boat. Her husband died recently and would want Desmond to have it. He vows to win the race for love. See, this is why I don't think she's a psychologist. Okay. Because any psychologist would be like, you need help. Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> Sailing around the world for love instead of going to therapy and working out your own clear daddy issues? Well, then what about the other people who are in the race? Yeah, they, yeah, but they like, were in the race for fun. They weren't in the race to prove something to the woman they love's dad. Okay. Yeah. Any psychologist would be like, you should probably just go to regular therapy and you'll be okay. Okay. Like, you'll feel worthy. Like, or you could just call her. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. cheaper to call her. All right, I'm with you. But I think it's funny that Desmond is going in this solo race around the world. It's clear that, like, a lot of people were in the race, so people have been doing solo races around the world, and yet Sun is like, you need two people who know how to sail. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like maybe because the people who are the solo race around the world are like super good at it, I guess. Plus, I mean, when it was just Desmond, I think we saw what happened. Right. So he's going to prove that he's worth marrying Penny. And Libby says, who is she? Before he even mentions a girl. Mm-hmm. And that kind of reminded me what De- Des said to Jack in 201, which is a scene that happens like right after he sees Penny mm-hmm. yeah. in this episode. And it's not quite what it is. He says, what's her name? But they're basically making yeah, the same it's jump. same energy. Yeah, they're making the same jump. So she's going to offer him David's boat, which is called Elizabeth. And she says he would want you to take it. And I think that's true because she says that he would, we wanted to sail to the Mediterranean. And so I really don't think that David, whoever he was, wouldn't, he wouldn't want it to just sit in a marina. Yeah, if it wasn't being used, it would be a complete waste. Yeah, he wanted it to go somewhere. Yeah. I have a boat. It was my husband's, but he got sick. He wanted to sail to the Mediterranean. He never... He passed away about a month ago. I'm sorry. I want you to have it. I, I can't take it, boat, miss. But you have to. He'd want you to. It's just sad that Libby died the day before Desmond came back. Oh. And he only ever knew her name to be Elizabeth, so he wouldn't even know her by Libby. So if anyone started talking about Libby, he wouldn't even know. Well, that hurts my feelings. Like, there's literally no way. There's literally no way for them to know. And it's kind of just like Anna Lucia and Christian we talked about in Two two for a a Road. She never learned his real name. She couldn't have known. So she couldn't have known. Unlike Sawyer, who learned his name and learned a whole bunch of other things about him. Um, Three other things about him. (laughs) So he says that he'll win the race for love. And I was watching the Lost on Location for this episode and Jack Bender had a quote about this scene. He said, the significance of the scene helps to justify and motivate Desmond's need to win the race, which is how he ends up on our island. So great. Thanks. Yeah. The nice thing about this show is that I think they know the whole time that like what Desmond's doing is kind of the cowardly way out of things. Right. And it like doesn't shy away from like allowing you to think multiple things about his Mm -hmm. motivations. Right. Like it's okay that he's doing the cowardly thing now because he has has to like do the stupid thing and then realize he was stupid for other things mm-hmm. that happen later to be worth it. Mm-hmm. So artfully done. Thank you. Were you talking about the show or were you talking about Sam? <laughs> Sam. 
<laughs> okay. So here's the good stuff. Here we got to we get to the good stuff. Not good for them, but like good for us. Mm-hmm. So Desmond's about to do that thing where you run the whole stadium. Yeah. Jack says the word in 201, but I don't remember what it is. So whatever. A circuit? No, he's a now I gotta know. God <laughs> oh, damn. Look what you did. A lap. No, no, no. It has, it has a special name. It's like French or something. Um Tour de France. Stadium. Merci. Tour de Stade. Oh my god. I was close. That's annoying. Yeah. Wait, what did you say? Tour de France. Oh yeah. Tour de Stade just means tour of stadium. Yeah. Desmond's about to do the thing where you run the whole stadium. It's called the Tour de Stade. Penny finds him and asks him why he never wrote to her. Desmond asks her about her impending marriage. She just wants him back, but he needs to get some honor before he'll deserve her. They go their separate ways. Okay. So does he actually need... Like, it's hard because, like, I truly do believe that he believes that he needs to get his honor back. And that's why... That's what he's running to, that's you know? All, that's yeah. all that matters here is that he believes it. Yeah, because especially after being said the words, you have been dishonorably discharged. Yeah. He's looking for honor. He's trying to earn some honor back. Yeah. And I see that. I just don't know if he's right. He's wrong. I think he's to like... <laughs> yeah. No, I think... Sorry. I completely think that he thinks that he this is the right way to do things and that he has to do this. Mm-hmm. But I think he's an idiot. Okay. Um, my notes say this is a Penny Stan account. Yeah. Which is correct. My other notes are just that he should just love her. Stop playing in a pissing contest with her dad and just love her. That's all she wants. That's that's all she wants. I mean, she's right though. So, yeah. That's he right. made their relationship about her father instead of about her and how she feels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, is there just heartbreaking romance to the idea of this? Yes. Yeah. In practicality... If I were Penny, I would be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, Yeah. it's very, it's like Jasmine is being like, we are in a Romeo and Juliet situation. And Charles Woodmore is like, you sure are. Get away from my daughter. And Jasmine's like, oh, no, we cannot be together. And Penny's like, okay, here's the thing, though. Romeo and Juliet were 12. Exactly. (laughs) And we're adults. So, like, is this necessary? Yeah. Like, Des says that he's doing it for him, but it's actually to prove himself to another man. Mm-hmm. And like, that's fine. It's just that he should be really honest about that. Yeah. Just making it about Penny and being worthy of Penny is just like, that's when you go to therapy, you know? Like he he just doesn't, he thinks that he needs the approval of her dad. And she's like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope, gotta get it. Yeah. And it's just like, it but she dismisses her from her own story. Mm-hmm. But I will say she is also sort of playing a game of chicken with him because spoilers. Mm. Write it down so you do not forget. It's, it's on my notes. Okay, good. Okay, so going into the details here, um, Jack arrives at the stadium, which we saw in 201. God, I love it. I love, <laughs> I love seeing the other side of things. It's so cool. Yeah. We've already seen this. This was literally the premiere of the episode. Season. Yeah, of the season. And now we're getting, like, this is the finale of the season. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we get, like, the other side of it. It's so awesome. I love stuff like that. And also, like, we talked about it in the spoiler section of 201, but, like, thinking about Desmond talking to Jack, knowing, even if the writers didn't te- necessarily know, and, and Ian and... Matt didn't necessarily know exactly what was happening before this. Thinking about Desmond knowing what just happened to him and how he had this really, really serious conversation with Penny. And then he goes up to Jack and just assumes that he's talking about a girl. And he is. Yeah. You know, because Desmond just had an emotional conversation with the girl that he loves. 
mm-hmm. projecting, but make it accurate. Yeah. So she talks about how you can find anybody with enough money and determination, and um, I emoji, I have thoughts on that later. Same. Yeah. She asks if he's read his beloved book, um, which, without even saying it out loud, tells us that she obviously knows him very well. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you read your beloved book? The one you were saving? Not yet. I thought you might have read it while you were away. I was in prison. Not away. Why didn't you write to me? When are you getting married, Penn? set a date yet. I'll be back in a year. What if you were back right now? I'm going to win this race, Ben. His race. And in a year, I'll be back. And she asks if, like, why he never wrote to her. And he doesn't tell her that he did write to her, which is, like, supposed to infuriate me. And it does. Why, do you think he doesn't tell her to preserve her relationship with her father or something? Or with, like, this other guy that she's apparently marrying, who we, like, as far as I know, don't know anything about, and... He's not important. Like, you know, like... Yeah, he's irrelevant. So, like, why do you guys think he didn't... I'm gonna look up Penny's fiancé while, like, you guys... If you guys want to talk about, like, why you think he didn't mention that he wrote to her. I think that he didn't mention it because he had already made up his mind that this is what he was going to do. And he didn't think that telling her that he did write to her would do anything but, like, make him feel worse. Mm. I don't know what I feel about it, other than I know there's something about it that I deeply don't like. That he didn't tell her? Yeah. I Like, I think it was out of some misguided, like, attempt at, like, chivalry or something. Mm. That would make sense for him. Exactly. So I'm like, either he wanted to preserve that relationship or he's like, oh, just another reason to go and do this because she didn't even get the letters I wrote. And I'm just like, now that I've like pulled the wool off of the Des Pen thing, I'm like, I'm upset right now. (laughs) Does he even, I don't know, I'm not sure he even has a Lostpedia page. Like that's how irrelevant he is. (laughs) Sucks to suck, my guy. I can't find anything about him. I, I, I guess he doesn't matter. He doesn't. I feel like he doesn't get mentioned again no i don't think he does after like this episode yeah that makes me think that maybe she like full-on didn't have one like maybe charles widmore made him up and then like told penny that he made it up or something like okay stay with me here i don't know like i don't know if this is has any legs to stand on but (laughs) wait hold on okay 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 if this were true and she goes why didn't you write to me and he goes when's when are you getting married? He doesn't answer the question. And then she says, we haven't, I don't know, we haven't set a date yet. And then what if, hmm. Are you thinking she means? I'm, I guess what I'm, at first what I thought was that like, she didn't actually have a fiance and she was just saying we haven't set a date yet because he's not real. But she didn't want to tell Desmond that I, sh- I don't actually have a fiance. But Widmore brought up the fiance too. Yeah, so maybe he like made him up. No, I think the fiance's real. She's just not committed to him, which is why they never set a date. Okay. Yeah. There's no way this is real. Well, it could be. I'm just making this up. But headcanon that 
Charles Woodmore was like, why don't you get yourself a nice boyfriend, a nice fiance? And Henny was like, I have a boyfriend. And then she was like, yeah, we're engaged or whatever. And Charles Woodmore was like, great. And then he was like, ha ha, Desmond, uh, she's engaged to be married. But Penny's like, I just made him up so that my dad would get off my case about not like about moving on from Desmond. And so then Desmond's like, when are you getting married? And that's how she knows that he's talked to her dad. Oh, okay. And then she goes, we haven't set a date yet because he's not actually real. Okay. <laughs> that's a- I like this theory. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, mm-hmm. except that I think he's real, but yeah. she never intended to marry him. She sure. was literally using him to get her dad off her back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's just my, that's my little thing I just made up. I like it. My thought was that you were making a thing where she was like, she doesn't, didn't have a fiance. And when he asked her that question, she meant she and him haven't set a date yet. Like him, her and Des? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Like, she's so confident that she's going to marry Desmond that she's just like, well, you and I haven't picked a date, so. Wow. But it's clear that she didn't know that he knew that she was getting married. Like, her face looked surprised. Mm. And like I said, I think that's how she knows that he w- he spoke to her father. Yeah. And I think that might be a source of, like, hope for her. Yeah. You know? Because that means, like, if he if he's been speaking to Charles, then maybe he does actually still love her and her dad is trying to stop him. Yeah. Which is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does this mean he still cares about her? He took the time to find out that she was married, that she was engaged. Right. And he, like, just got out of prison, right? But Winmore told him. I know, but, like, She doesn't her. know, like, oh. how that Charles you. approached him. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So he says that he'll be back in a year and she wants him to be back now. Because she still loves him. Yeah. He's saying that he wants to earn Widmore's respect so that he can be with her. But it's not about him, Peach. Exactly. (laughs) It's not about him. It's about her. It's about you. It's about their relationship and what they mean to each other. Yes. Like, does it suck that he wouldn't approve? Yes. But does she love him enough to literally overlook her dad's objections? Yes. Like, I really feel like Penny could just, like, defer her wedding for a year and then be like, mm, let's just have some extra time just in case. And then when Desmond comes back, she can be like, bye, Bradley. Bye, or whatever. bye Bradley. Bye, Bradley. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But I also think she probably uses that fiance as like sort of like a threat. Being like, well, if you won't have me, someone will. Yeah. I'm kidding, Penny's not that vindictive. She would never do that. Maybe he's like an opposite beard. Oh, my God. Probably. I mean, like, I feel like she was just someone she he was she was dating. And then it kind of she was happened. like, Yeah. Yeah, I guess I'm just like making up like what if he's like doesn't want to date her and wants to date somebody else and she's like, well, I need my dad to think that I'm trying to date somebody. So maybe they're just helping each other out because they're both in love with other people. Nice. That would literally be Sonogen. Yeah. I chose this quote as my honorable mention for the favorite line award. Um, but when Des, when Penny says, what are you running from? And he says, that's what I'm, I have to get my honor back and that's what I'm running to. I literally get chills every mm-hmm. single time. <laughs> it's so good. I think about that line all the time. And like, so, as much as I'm like, ah, that's such a good line. I had to, like, I had to choose it. And he believes it. He does. Absolutely. You can see it. So yeah, this conversation happens right before his chat with Jack. How does this color his conversation with Jack in 201? I think we talked about it in the spoiler section in 201. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything else we need to add because we kind of uh, brought it up already. Basically. We already did that today. Desmond is boating in a terrible storm. He goes to grab the book, but he gets knocked out. Aw, heck. Aw, heck. Listen. <laughs> Our thing for the knockout counter is that it has to be on island and not in flashbacks, but like... Oh, well, if this is a flashback, so it doesn't count. But we he counted something... He also wasn't something- knocked out by another 
person. Yeah, it still counts though. Oh, okay. But also, like last episode, we counted something that happened in a flashback because because it happened on island. And this is just off the island. This is like just off the island. Fine, it counts. Uh, I think it's close enough. Yeah, I think so too. Ah, heck. Okay. Ah, heck. He wakes up on the beach, a man dragging him. He finds himself inside the hatch with Kelvin Inman from Saeed's episode a while back. Hmm. He tells him that he's saving the world down here. Wow. So Desmond crashes and he's going to read the book. because, And you know that that means he genuinely thinks that he's going to die. Yep. It must be so scary to be like, I have my book, but I don't have enough time to actually read it. Oh, so it's like everything he thought he was going to do before he died is now alive yeah he's like i'm gonna get like 10 pages in and then i'm gonna die and i won't never know the ending yep that's kind of scary yike so i guess everyone back home other than penny just like assumed that he died yeah in I mean, a crash you, right yeah yeah it's so like, i guess widmore's just like partying <laughs> like big amelia Earhart energy out here totally so we got a guy who finds him his name is kelvin inman and he was from saeed's episode uh 214 um one of them and he was with saeed uh, in one of the, which war was it? I don't remember. Cause I was in a bunch of wars, to be honest. <laughs> and he was like a military man. And so it's like really cool to have like such a strange coincidence yeah. for him to also be here. Yes. Um, and I mentioned it that episode, but, uh, this is Clancy Brown and he is Mr. Krabs. <laughs> I always forget. He's Mr. Krabs. That's mm-hmm. it. So he's in the hazmat suit, which we all know is unnecessary. Yes. And he asks Desmond, are you him? Which is what you ask basically to see if he's your replacement or your partner. He has a snowman joke. And since Desmond doesn't know the answer, he knows that it's not him. He's not who is supposed to come and start helping him. him. Oh, that would be so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like Desmond feels the same way at the beginning of the season. You know, he, he asks Locke, are you him? And Locke says, yes. And Desmond's like, dope. Let me ask you the question. And then he's like, you're not him. You don't know the answer. Why did you say yes then dummy? (laughs) So Desmond asks what happened to his boat and Kelvin doesn't say. He just Mm. says that he found him. So that's important to remember for next episode. Yep. Because clearly the boat is around. Because we see it later. Because we have it. Um, So then he says he's just saving the world and Desmond said the same thing at the beginning of the season. Desmond drank the Kool-Aid. He sure did. Desmond watches the orientation video. Kelvin says the missing parts are edits that someone named Radzinski made. Hmm, sounds like this name may be familiar in the future. Hmm. They discuss the infected air outside, which is why Kelvin wears the hazmat suit. So he gets the orientation. He watched it more than once, just like Locke, because Locke said we have to watch that again. And Kelvin says, how many times are you going to watch that? So that's cool. On repeat. So three years ago, it's still missing those parts that um, that Echo had in yeah. the Bible. Yeah. They say that Rizinski made the edits. Um, I don't know how it got to the arrow, but it was inside the Bible. Um, I have a lot of spoiler thoughts about Stuart Rizinski. Okay. Did Rizinski know that it was meant to be an experiment? I don't think so. He has to put it back behind Turn of the Screw, which uh, is where Desmond said it belonged at the beginning of the season. Um, they talk about the infected air outside and you tell them about this vaccine. And really, there's not a lot we can talk about because a lot of the the questions in this scene are answered in the second part of the finale. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll have to talk about it then. Sorry about it. Sorry about it. Oh, that's it. Yeah. But spoiler time. That's woohoo. And uh, before we do segments here, we are so excited to announce that uh, we finally got our spoiler section song. We got a new spoiler section song. We commissioned it from one of our friends who composes music, and we are really excited for you guys to hear it <laughs> in just a few minutes. I won't hear it in just a few minutes because we are recording this live and you already have a track for that. So now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Echo and Charlie for... 
Daddy, you know how they got the hatch go. No, but if you hum it, I can probably play it. It is genuinely funny. <laughs> I want you guys to know that, like, I think about that joke all the time. It and it's so great. Good. It's one of those effortless jokes. Yeah. Totally. And yeah. Charlie says it completely innocently, like he's not even trying to make a joke, and that's just iconic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I have an honorable mention, like I said, to Penny and Desmond for... Desmond, what are you running from? I have to get my honor back. And that's what I'm running to. Oh! Oh! I like yes! it! Yes! We love a romance! And mine goes to Hurley and Sawyer for. That bridge is saying my name. Yeah, it did. Right before it crapped gold. <laughs> that would be amazing. That man is sarcasm personified. That man Truly. is mean. <laughs> and my favorite line award goes to Desmond for. We are stuck in a bloody snow globe. He is really upset. He is. He's really upset. When is he not upset? I respect I understand. him. Mm-hmm. All right. So going into our other segments, um, man of science, man of faith, Desmond. Man of faith. Man of, yeah, man of faith. Do you want to go a little more in depth about that? Well, it's just like, if he was thinking logically at any given point, none of this would have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, I mean, is interesting for his character. I also feel like the concept of like honor is sort of like faith-based as well. Yeah. Yes. And we also know that he is a religious man. So I think it's very safe to say that he's a man of faith, especially Absolutely. in this episode. All right, so now it's time for uh, the Hurley's Walkman segment. Um, there's a song by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. It's heard on the sound system of the Elizabeth. I don't know how to pronounce that. What's it? Mm. It's an Italian slash Latin. Yeah. One of those two <laughs> languages. And we don't know them. <laughs> Um, and for Sawyer's Book Corner, we've already talked about both of these books, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because Desmond talked about it at the beginning of the season. Our Mutual Friend by Charles Dickens and The Turn of the Screw. Both of these were spoken about earlier in the season. Yes. So, there you go. Did they do the thing? Yes, they did the thing. Like a hundred times. What? How many How many times did they do the thing? Once. Really? Yeah. Oh. They've said it many times throughout the series, but just in this episode... Um, the thing is when you say the name of the episode in the episode, and Jack said it this episode. Live together, die alone, man. It just feels like Jack's done it a hundred times. He yeah. has, just not yeah. in this episode. Sorry, it might be. How many episodes since the last knockout? I thought it was one, Unfortunately, but we're, well, we're no. bringing it down, down, down to zero. Yeah. How many episodes since the last Jack's Blaine? Six episodes since the last Jack's Blaine. Everybody, please let us know if you think that we are missing Jack's Blaine's. Because when we made this a segment, we really thought there were more Jack's Blaine's. Well, I feel like you could argue that there was some Jack's Blaine-ing in this episode, but he doesn't do a whole lot of talking. Saeed is the one who does a lot of talking yeah. and explaining. Mm-hmm. And I never think of that as Saeed's Blaine because, like, he's just a smart dude. Yeah. I mean, Jack's smart too, but, like, he's kind of a dick about it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, Saeed is just like, hey, I have information that you don't have. Here it is. And that's why I stand Saeed. I guarantee... More Jacksplaining in season three. Mm-hmm. Whether you want it or not. <laughs> Does this episode pass the Bechtel test? Um, no. No. We have Claire, Kate, Penny, and Son, I think, are the women in this episode, and they don't talk to each other. Nope. Did I miss anybody? No, you're right. Hurtful. I don't think I miss anybody. No, they only talk to men. All right. Stay tuned for a segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode with the, in the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Our spoiler song is composed and produced by Francis Neves. Thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. 
So true. Uh, if you are so inclined, please write us a review on iTunes. We like those, and you can also just do the little stars. We also those those are also nice. Yeah, those are cool. And we also have a survey in the description. It's just perpetually open. If you have any thoughts on things that you like about the podcast or things that you don't like about the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. But like, be nice, okay? We can't be less annoying. Sorry. Yeah. If you're a fan of the hundred, we like to talk about that show too. We are coming up on season seven, which is going to be the final season of the show, and we will be covering that. So get into it. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did season one, two, three, and we are just about done with four. And oh my gosh, it truly is a trip. It's it's a beautiful mess. It's the most fun I have. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. So uh, join us over there because, wow. <laughs> if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show too. We've done all of season one and many uh, as we watch recaps of season three. And we are doing season two right now, but that's going to take like the whole year. Mm -hmm. So by the time we're done, hopefully season four will be out. Mm -hmm. If you're a fan of Star Trek, hey! <laughs> We're doing a Picard podcast. In fact, I think that when this comes out, the heckin' season will be over. Oh my god, my, my uh, life is gonna be so much more boring. That makes me sad. I literally, like, I get up in the morning for this show. <laughs> um, so we covered all of season one, I guess, because in the future, when this is going out, it's done. Um, <laughs> and if you love Star Trek, join us. If you this is your first Star Trek, you can also join us, because it's my first Star Trek, and I'm asking all the dumb questions. Yeah, <laughs> and Sam and I are trying to answer them but sometimes we can't also it's star trek and there are no dumb questions yeah mm. only good ones what's Worf's middle name i don't know he doesn't have sounds one. like a dumb question <laughs> i don't think it's dumb okay. he has adoptive parents and a son the Rochankos. Cool. not what i asked no sorry <laughs> hang on Worf is from the house of moog but i don't think klingons have a middle name so would his middle name be house of mm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway for more stuff like that come listen to us talk about star trek you can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebelable, YouTube, but mostly Twitter with a side of Tumblr where Robin gives our favorite line awards. Mm -hmm. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's really expensive. And around this time of year is when we have to start paying for all of them again because they go around yearly. And um, I've been having several breakdowns about how much money is going out of my bank account. <laughs> That's true. Oh, That's true. I watched it happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Yay! You're so welcome. It was such a long walk from my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I know that it, it doesn't feel different because we literally record with you like twice a week. Mm-hmm. Sometimes three times a week, as evidenced by this week. <laughs> oh, um, but you're not a you're not a fancy person on this uh, this podcast, so sure uh, uh, th we yeah, appreciate. Sam, you're not fancy. We appreciate you <laughs> taking the time out of your day to come over here and sit on the couch with us. You're you're quite welcome. Now, where can we follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's. That's S A M C A S E Y S. Uh, you can also read my television reviews at TelltaleTV.com. Robin, will you put a link in this description as well? I'll consider it. Okay, I'll do it. Thanks. <laughs> well, that was easy. <laughs> Join us for our next episode, which is Two Twenty Four: Live Together, Die Alone, Part Two. We will be having Joe Garfine of Cancer Gets Lost. You can follow her at Joe Pinionated on Twitter, and you can also follow at Cancer Gets Lost on Twitter um, for all of the really incredible work that she is doing over there. That will be our final episode of season two. We will be doing a season two roundtable, um, just like we did for. Uh, the end of season one and then we will be releasing all of the spoiler sections separately and then after that 
It's season three time. Oh my god. I personally love season three very much, so I'm really excited to talk about it. I like season five. Oh, I love oh, season I love five season. too. Yeah. To be clear. Season five is my favorite season too. But I, I love season three as well. Okay. My favorite season of Lost is season four. That's fair. Right. Oh, these are all good choices. Thank you. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Hey, hey, did you do you guys like our new spoiler song? I do. I think it's lit. I think so too. I'm excited about it. Mm-hmm. Thank if you, you so didn't much. Like to- it, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's better than what we had before, and I truly believe that in my soul. I think it's lovely. I think it's fun. I think it's ethereal. I think it's the exact mood you need for lost spoilers. Thank you so much to Francis for helping us out there. I mean, she it, it definitely was her helping us out, but also we commissioned her and we paid her. Yeah, so, don't worry. Yeah, we no, yeah, know that we paid her for her work and we appreciate her, and she's an icon. Yeah. A legend. Pay your artists or die. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go into my spoiler thoughts, and we are going to do, like, the same sort of, like, blurbs as we did before, so we'll start with the rescue mission. Cool. Okay. Um, Me, all of my thoughts are on the scene with (laughs) Desmond and Penny. Yeah. For both sections. I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible guest. Mm. Or you're just a predictable guest. Oh. Okay, Okay. so my first, like, going halfway through the episode, my first spoiler thought on this storyline is about the Hurlybird, um, which is called a high bird. Let me go and grab the Lostpedia page for that, because I know I have thoughts. Yeah. like this post if you think Robin should name her small business high bird, but with a Y. Thank you. Well, it's already... She means H-I-B-Y-R-D, not H-Y-B-I-R-D. Which it's is true. Like, yeah. Okay, the Dharma Initiative genetically engineered large birds called high birds to test how animals adapt to the island's unique properties. This was answered in the new man in charge, aka literally the epilogue. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they literally were like, what else didn't we do? Uh, epilogue. <laughs> okay, so tell us what the answer was. The Dharma Initiative genetically engineered large birds called high birds to test how animals adapt to the island's unique properties. So was it saying her? So thing? it's just a, it's not even a real bird. The bird's wings span 16 feet. That's insane. So it's still a bird. 16. That's a, six, that's a dragon. That's six, a big bitch. 16 feet. Oh, that's a number. You're okay. <laughs> don't, ha- don't have a freak out. And their cry sounds like the name Hurley. DVDs even subtitle one's cry as Hurley, but Sawyer mocked Hurley for noting the resemblance. Well, that's not nice. Dharma kept the birds at the Hydra station, which featured large aviary cages. Oh. Hurley's first sight of one of them convinced him that whoever came up with the name Dark Territory was a genius. He heard it shortly afterward, before and during the smoke monster attacks. A bird appeared again during the survivor's mission to rescue. Wait, how does that have anything to do with the high bird? The first time we see the high bird is in Exodus Part 2. Why don't I remember that? Okay, whatever. In Catch-22, which is in Season 3, Jin tells... Uh, Hurley a story in Korean while they're camping. Hurley says, dude, I love the part about the bird. It was a bird, right? Oh, that's adorable. I understood that reference. Um, one form of the Egyptian god Horus is a green falcon. This fits with the Egyptian themes of the show. The bird's only appearances are in season finales, Exodus part two and live together, die alone part one. Okay. Those are, these are the only two times we see them. So they're not overly important. They're not, they're not important. They should be though. Cause sure. I think they're cool. They're like a mocking jay. I love that for you. Thank you. I know they're called high birds, but I'm going to continue to just call them hurly birds because I think that's cute. I like a hurly bird is cute. Okay. Our first look at Towerette, the the statue. Okay. So it's the Egyptian. I'm going to keep just going over to my computer to look up Lostpedia things so I can search up Towerette. Statue of Towerette. 
So we all know the statue of Towerette was there when Richard Alpert showed up. Wait, never mind. Yes, it was because when the Black Rock ran into the statue, that's how the statue got broken. Yeah. When Richard showed up. Also, Jacob lived in the chamber, like lived underneath the statue. Yeah, isn't there like a, like one of the big scenes from the finale happens under the statue? Yeah, that's where Jacob dies under the statue. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the history is Egyptians on the island built the statue sometime well before 1867. They mentioned that on the Lost podcast. Uh, which I think David and Carlton were on. The civilization left many other signs of their culture on the island, including hieroglyphs and other structures. So we don't know anything about that really, okay. but apparently that's what happened. Okay. I like when I have questions and they're just answered by Robin reading Lostpedia. Right? Oh, great. Because um, I couldn't remember any of this. In the flash sideways, the remnants of the statue appear submerged in the ocean, so it still existed even in the flash sideways. Mm. Trivia. Jin, Richard, Jacob, and the man in black are the only people known to have seen both the ruin and the fully intact statue. Oh! Sun has also seen the statue on two separate occasions, though both times she saw the ruins. Like, I think that, like, in Le Fleur, uh, Sawyer's group was briefly transported into an unknown time period, sometime prior to the building of the well, and they can see the statue. But Sawyer and co. never saw the ruins of the statue. So that's why they're not included in that list. Hmm. Okay. Oh, apparently in 2008, Damon and Carlton slightly rectified a misquote of an anecdote previously told. According to Carlton, the true story was that the statue was originally stated to have six toes, but ABC executives mandated that it better have only four toes, which was considered less weird than six toes. Ah! It is less weird. According to their own words. No. Lindelof and Cuse didn't mind as long as the statue didn't have five toes. (laughs) That's so weird. However, the sculptor... Gave another explanation, claiming that the statue's foot was changed from six to four toes because it was hard to tell that it wasn't a regular five-toed foot when it had six toes. Yeah, that's fair. Oh. Note that in the real world, hippos have four toes, which in hindsight would match with a hippopotamus-headed towerette. Is oh. that what it is? He's towerette, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so I didn't, I mean, like I'm saying, like, I didn't realize the head was a hippo. I think so. Here, let me look up more about towerette. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, did you mean you spelled this wrong? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah don't worry about it. Thanks. Um, so Tawaret Oh yeah, it is. Is the protective ancient Egyptian goddess of childbirth and fertility. Okay. The name Tawaret means she who is great or simply great one. A common per- pe- pes- what the heck word is that? Pacificatory address to dangerous deities. The deity is typically depicted as a bipedal female hippopotamus with feline attributes. Pendulous female human breasts. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the limbs and paws. <laughs> The limbs and paws of a lion and the back and tail of a Nile crocodile. She commonly bears the epithets Lady of Heaven, Mistress of the Horizon, She Who Removes Water, Mistress of Pure Water, and Lady of the Birth House. Okay. Which makes sense for the island. Yeah. I never I never knew that Towerette was a lady because the statue that they make doesn't have the boobs. There ain't no boobs there. The boobs would have made it make so much more sense. Yep. I literally, I'm learning right now in this moment that Towerette is a lady. And like, it would have tracked with like so many things about the island, like with childbirth and like- Yes. Uh, hello? Hello? So yeah, um, that's Towerette. And the ABC censors were like, we can't show boobs. <laughs> Justice no boobs. for her titties. No boobs. Boobs are sexual organs. <laughs> no, they're not. Okay, so later they are talking about whether or not the others are Dharma leftovers, and one of them in particular is, and his name is Ben. Aw, he's just a bad boy. Um, Sawyer mentions that he thinks that the others are aliens, and that reminded me of the wonderful, one of my favorite Suliet moments 
Mm-hmm. I think probably my favorite Suliet moment. Okay. Is the More part than where go Dutch? Oh yeah. Oh, wow. This is big. I like the part where um he says, Are you sleep I think he says something like, Are you sleeping with Jack yet? And she goes, No, are, are you? you? Yeah. <laughs> um, but like I think later in that scene, if not just a little bit later, just in general, he says, What are you building over there? Because remember at the beginning of season three, they're like helping them build something and they're kind of using like Sawyer and Kate as like um slaves labor yeah mm-hmm. free labor so Sawyer's like what were you building and she says we're building a runway and of course that runway comes back later because Frank lands a Jira flight 316 on it exactly but he says what are you building a runway for and she says for the aliens oh yeah stone-faced <laughs> for the aliens, for the aliens. <laughs> and I think he would ask her years later and she would still say it was for aliens it was for yeah. the aliens so that just that reminded me of that obviously because James. it was it was Sawyer as well right James it was for the aliens. It's just for the aliens, bro. Did you not see them? Okay, so that's what I have for the rescue mission, and then we'll move into Desmond's stuff. Cool. So they get to the boat, and Desmond's, like, shooting through the boat and everything, and this reminded me of, I believe... Mm, never mind. It's early season three. I thought it was la- next episode, but it's early season three when Sun is on the boat by herself, and Colleen, who I just think of as Katniss's mother <laughs> from the Hunger yep. Games, um, comes on, and she's certain that Sun will not shoot her, and Sun shoots her. Oop. Like, on this boat. Don't mess with Sun. So it reminded me of that. Um, so the reason why Desmond thinks that this is a snow globe is because he can't get out of, like, the snow globe sort of thing, because he doesn't know the specific bearing. Um, in season four, it's revealed that there's a specific bearing that you need to do to get out of, like, this sort of, like, bubble that mm-hmm. they live in, right? They're in a little bubble. lived in a bubble, they really Doug. Are, they really are in a snow globe. <laughs> yeah. stuck in a bubble, Doug. She came down in a bubble, dog. <laughs> okay, tell me that I'm wrong. So then we have this scene with Desmond and Claire, um, and he's talking about how he thought he'd be a bad dad and he was trying to help you. So this reminds me of not only flashes before your eyes when Desmond like talks is going to he's going to propose to Penny and then mm-hmm. he meets Eloise and Eloise tells him that's not what he's supposed to do and like Ugh. bad things would happen or whatever and then Ugh. he full on just breaks up with Penny and it's ah! so that's a, a an example and then my other example is Ruth who comes in in Catch 22 I think it's the episode where um Desmond's the monk mm. and he goes to see Ruth and she says, if you're scared to marry somebody, don't run off and join a monastery. Just tell her. Mm. And then he goes and run and joins a monastery instead. Well, I think what happened is like he was, because he was engaged to Ruth. Oh, okay. He was engaged to Ruth and he finally showed up and she was like, hey, I heard you joined a freaking monastery. Mm. And then he's like, yep. Anyway, Ruth deserves better and she knows it. Agreed. So yeah. these are just a bunch of examples of Desmond like running off because he doesn't think he's good enough. The amount that I ship Desmond and Penny is at war with the amount that I want to shake Desmond and tell him he's an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I just said, um, Desmond's like really religious and doesn't love the fact that they just like pushed Echo out because he's a priest and Desmond was a monk. So you can't kind of blame him deal. for that one. Yeah. Which is why he calls everybody brother. Yeah. Yep. When you were like, that's revealed later. I'm like, I know that I know it. Yeah. I was sitting when here like, I forget something. I was sitting here like, it's cause he went to, he was a, okay. That's, that's how my brain was. Hmm. processing that so moving into uh the flashbacks i'm going right to the desmond and penny scene yay penny Sam, like picks up <laughs> penny saying you can find anyone with enough money and determination foreshadows the end of season four when she finally she does, does find them exactly um so that's great i i really like it's hard i never really considered this but it's hard with desmond in season two and season three i feel like but after he and penny like finally get together 
Mm-hmm. It's like that's that's who Desmond was supposed to be. That's finally, my guy. Yeah, he finally yeah. figured it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was like, oh my god, I never should have left. I screwed everything up, but I'm here now. Yeah. It's clear that Penny never actually married this dude, if he even was real. Yeah. Um, Because she literally, like, talked to Desmond, and then, like, the next time we see her is at the end of next episode, when it's revealed that she's, like, has, like, those two Portuguese guys off yonder. Looking for him. Looking for the island, and then they call her and tell her that that's where the island has been. So she's been looking for Desmond for three years. Yeah. She never gave that's up love. That's we love a romance. I can't say that I would have waited that long. Also, I'm sure that guy was just like, yeah, you're never gonna love me more than you love him, so uh, I'm out. Right, yeah. right. Did you have more, did you have thoughts in your notes? I do. So my my note that I mentioned earlier was that she's sort of also playing a game of chicken with him because she does say like, what if you were back now? But she doesn't like actually say, I'm in love with you, stop messing around. Right. But- her letter is already in his book. Yeah. And that's where she says, I love you. Stop being an idiot. And I believe she put that letter in there before he went to Before he went to prison. And that's why she says, have you read your book? Yeah. Because then, like, that's why she's upset that he- That that he hasn't read it yet. And he hasn't read it yet because he doesn't know that she says that she'll wait for him forever. Yeah. Because, like, if he had read the book- If he had read the book, he would- have stopped being an idiot. But that's also an unfair place to do that because, like, him reading that book would basically mean that he was about to die, so she's writing him this letter from a place where, like, he's gonna commit suicide? That's what happens at the end of, uh, or during next episode in the flashbacks, is that he he thinks he's gonna die, and so he opens up the book and finds it, and then finds the will to not die. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not like, it's not very above board of her. It's very, it's very much a game of chicken. Like, they're both, he's too much of a coward to admit that he loves her, and, like, she kind of also is. Yeah, they're like honestly, it's just that the time wasn't right for either of them. Exactly. Like, yeah, and then the eventually they were supposed to be yet. Yeah, yeah. and then eventually it, it finally is. Exactly. And then my other thing is, I just put like a little mm-hmm. line. So he's doing this race for like Penny's dad. Yeah, and then he crashes on the island. Right. And then several seasons later, I believe mm-hmm. I, it all blurs together in my you. mind. I watched it in a week. We find out that. Charles is, like, heavily involved with the island yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Do we think he crashed Desmond somehow? Or, like... I don't think that Charles did. I think that Jacob did. Jacob was like, you can't leave. We need you. Yoink! Yeah, and then it just happened to be that way because, mm-hmm. like, maybe Jacob learned about Desmond because I don't think that Desmond is a candidate. Which is weird. Because he would have been the perfect candidate. He probably learned about Desmond via... Charles because Charles was such a big deal. Or Eloise. Or Eloise, yeah. But more likely Charles because Eloise didn't, um, wasn't Penny's mom. She was only Faraday's mom. Okay. Uh, And they're half-siblings. Right. Through Widmore. Right. Did Jacob and Widmore talk a lot? I don't, I don't know. I think that Widmore was like the Ben. So like Richard would talk to Jacob and I assume that around the same thing would happen in which Richard would be like, Jacob says this, Jacob says that. But I doubt that Charles ever spoke to to Jacob. Okay. Because it's just like so weird that like, Charles is just so, actually, I was going to say, Charles so morally great. Why would Jacob work with him? But, like, it's Jacob. Of course he did. Yeah. But the reason why Charles gets banished is because he had a child with somebody outside of, outside of, like, the island. Yeah. Mm. So, like, Faraday is older than Penny because he had a child with Eloise before he had a child with, like, an outsider or whatever. 
Oh. Yeah, that's why Charles gets um, banished. And then they say, you can never come back. And then he ends up coming back on his submarine in season six. Okay, well. And then Ben um, kills him. Nope. And it's kind of great, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. Can't say I'm sad he, about that. Yeah. He had it coming. Yeah. Um, so moving back onto the island and talking about Kelvin and stuff, um, I noticed that Kelvin's uniform doesn't say his name on it. So, like, my whole question is, like, what's the Radzinski timeline? Because Radzinski had his name on his thing because he was part of the Dharma Initiative. And so, was Kelvin Radzinski's first partner? I don't think so. No, I think Radzinski was there for a freaking long time. He probably had many other partners. Exactly. And then Kelvin was, like, the last impressionable person, and he was burnt out by then, and he was like, I'm gonna doom this sucker. Right. So I have a few other Radzinski questions, but um, before that, um, does Kelvin know that the air is fine at this point? Yes. I think he does too. I'm just wondering if, like, did he see Desmond and then go and put the hazmat suit on so that he could gaslight him and then come back and get him? Or, like, was he wearing the hazmat suit when he found Desmond? You know what I mean? You think at this point he already knows the air is fine? Because, like, at some point... How did he find Desmond? Yeah, because basically what happens next episode is that, like, Desmond... Every time that Kelvin leaves, he always puts on the hazmat suit. And so then Desmond one day notices that there's a rip in the suit and nothing bad has happened. So he, like, goes out and sees that Kelvin has been, like, working on Desmond's ship so that he can, like, leave, basically. Yeah. And, like, leave Desmond behind. And so either way, Kelvin knows that the air is fine. I just don't know if he was wearing the hazmat suit because he thought that the air was bad and then eventually learned that the air was fine, or he knew the air was fine, saw Desmond, went home, put the hazmat suit on just to gaslight him, then came back and got Desmond, and I then like has been using the hazmat suit since. I think it was a force of habit to put the hazmat suit on. Okay. I think he learned the air was fine at some point later. Okay. Because I... I think that he was desperate enough to get off the island himself Mm -hmm. and, like, use the boat. Wait, wouldn't he have basically learned the air was fine from finding Desmond? Oh. So the minute he found Desmond, he was probably like, okay, so all of this has been a f***ing lie. Right, because he says So he was probably, like, in the hazmat suit because he thought the air wasn't fine when he found him. And then Desmond is alive, so the air must be fine. Yeah, he says to Desmond, like, you were out there for a while, so, like... Make sure you take this vaccine or whatever, I think. But, like... He was out there for a while. He was out there for a while, and Kelvin would probably guess. And, and then he did from some that tests. moment, he probably started grooming Desmond to take over for him. Yeah. Well, like, if Kelvin actually did believe that the air was bad, then, like, that makes it very clear that Radzinski was kind of gaslighting Kelvin? Yeah, well, for sure. Because like, Radzinski knew that the air was fine. Maybe it was because of the incident. That he thought that it had, like, radiation or something. Yeah. But, like, that was years upon years upon years ago. I think... Let me look up Radzinski. Continue. Well, I just think that, like, he clearly believes some part of this, or he would just be like, hey, man, let's fix your boat together and bounce. No, someone has to stay behind. Yeah, someone has to stay behind you, right? Yeah. He has to believe. Like, he believes that someone has to push this button, so that's why he tricks Desmond into saying. Because he believes that this is a thing that needs to be done. Uh Uh-huh. Ugh, what a douche. So I have, like four different questions about Radzinski here. Um, but I'm going to take a look at his, maybe I can answer some of my own questions on his, uh, his, uh, Lostpedia page here, because it says in 1971 is when he began working on the Swan Station and plausibly when he first came to the island, if not the year before. In 1977, Radzinski was working at the Flame and was building a model of the Swan. Um, and then of course he got freaked out because Saeed saw the model of the Swan and he thought he was a hostile and so blah, 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 blah. A whole bunch of things happened, the incident. 
It is unknown Howard Ziski survived the incident and hydrogen bomb blast, but obviously he did. So post-1977, at a later time, Radzinski moved to the completed Swan Station where he worked alongside Kelvin Inman. Radzinski was the originator of the blast door map, which he worked on with laundry detergent, a paintbrush, and the aid of his photographic memory. He was able to fake a lockdown incident. Having had a part in designing the station, he knew its workings intimately, making it possible to work on the map more deliberately. Radzinski also edited the Swan Orientation film for unknown reasons and placed the edited portions within a Bible in the Aero Station. The unknown reason was to gaslight Kelvin. His erratic behavior and subsequent suicide may suggest an eventual mental breakdown. My question is, like, why choose the part of, like, about not using it as a... Like, the, the thing that he took out was don't use it as a as a communication you know like he took out don't don't ever use the com the computer to communicate with the outside world so like why take out that part is my question i guess i um, don't know kelvin explained to desmond that while he was asleep radzinski committed suicide by putting a shotgun in his mouth and firing it creating a blood stain on the ceiling radzinski's remains were later buried in the jungle outside the swan entrance station entrance because of the swan station protocol kelvin had to bury him without within 108 minutes when walt's rescue party reached the capsule dump Kate found a notebook in which a particular entry mentions the activities of SR, who was apparently a resident in the Swan Station and was surreptitiously monitored from the Pearl Station by the note taker. As the Pearl's function likely ceased within, with the purge, given the staff there worked in eight-hour shifts, it can be concluded that Ratzinski took up residence well before this time. So before the purge. So he survived the purge. One of the only members of the Darb Initiative to so survive Juliet. the purge. Mm. Juliet wasn't there at that point. That's a she was in purge, the purge anarchy oh. joke. <laughs> I was like, girl, she just showed up. No, this, uh, that's uh, election year. Sorry, purge election year yeah. joke. So him and then like Mikhail next season says that he was the only one to survive the purge, but that's just a full on lie. But <laughs> um, Mikhail lying? What? What? Radzinski's death would have taken place between 1991 and 2001. Kelvin Inman joined Dharma between 1991 and December of 1992, which is when the purge happened, where he would become Radzinski's partner. When Desmond arrived on the island, well, clearly that means that Radzinski would have had a partner before him or more. When Desmond arrives on the island in 2001, Radzinski is already dead. Radzinski most likely died fairly recent to Desmond's arrival to the Swan due to Kelvin's condition. Kelvin appeared relatively healthy for a man possibly sleeping for two hours at a time. Judging by Radzinski's attitude for the Swan station, the station appeared more maintained back in 2001 than in 2004. He may have appeared healthy, but psychologically, he was an absolute mess. Right. So my question is about Radzinski. Why would Radzinski get rid of the communication part? Which I asked, and we just, just don't really know. Yeah. So Radzinski was inside the swan after designing it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did he know it was meant to be an experiment? That's my question. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But is it an experiment? Because, like, yeah. something bad happens when you don't push the button. Oh, like, yeah. But it could still be, like, a psychological experiment because the people in the Pearl are actively... Right. Like, they write, SR took a shower. You know, SR played on the ping pong table. But, like, isn't that also a psychological experiment on the people watching them? That's my question, is, like, if Radzinski designed the swan and, like, the swan ended up being helpful because the incident happened and so like it ended up being like the computer thing what was he designing it for before the incident was it supposed to be a thing and he was just like volunteering because he designed it and he wanted to be part of it like that's my like it's just there's a lot of like questions about Radzinski and like Radzinski was literally in seven episodes of this show but I have so many questions <laughs> about Radzinski yeah holy crap um and then my last question was did he find out and that's why he killed himself like did he find out it was an experiment yeah mm. I himself? that's what I always thought was implied maybe 
is he knew that it was a fruitless endeavor. Or that they were like stuck there forever and he got sick of it and he wanted to die. Yeah. Right. Like maybe he didn't know about the purge and then he found out about the purge and that's why he died or that's why he killed himself. Maybe. But like how would he have, how would they have learned anything in there? Well, like clearly they were allowed to leave. Mm. I don't like I just don't know. I think I mean, we have to wait till season five to see if we get some more answers, but I recently rewatched season five and I just don't know. <laughs> Um, okay. That's it. That's all I got. Do you have any other points, Samo Blamo? Not many. I just put, doesn't he trick? My thing is, was he, <laughs> for Kelvin I wrote, was he also tricked into it or was he in on it? And then, because I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. And then tries to steal boat, but then doesn't Desmond kill him, but then yeah. feel bound to the button so he stays too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was just me episode, me yeah. trying to remember mm-hmm. what happened in the next one. Right. Which I will probably rewatch with you guys. Yeah. When you watch for Joe. Mm-hmm. Well, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of The Lost Podcast. You're welcome. Where can we follow you? You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's. S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. I mostly talk about Star Trek, though. You That's can just okay. stalk her around Vancouver, too. It's fine. Yeah, I, I live there. What's nice is that as soon as I press stop recording, you'll still be here i will it's so fun i love that for us as soon as you press stop recording i can stretch and also lay in my own bed i'm gonna have a shower i have to finish my articles you can follow me personally at robin e jeffrey that's r-o-b-y-n-e-j-e-f-f-r-e-y pretty much everywhere and you can follow me on twitter at britannia which is b-r-i-t-t-a-n-i-a with an underscore at the end you can follow us at the aficionados on a whole different places, mostly Twitter and Tumblr, though. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you have a spare dollar, we would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! bye. My theory, they're aliens.